and Matt Show, the disc golf podcast you've been looking for. Okay, welcome everybody. We are back for another episode. You can't believe it. We did episode one and it actually went okay. And here we are for episode two. Uh, again, I'm Matt. I'm joined with my co-host, Nick. What's going on? Hey man, good to have you back. Uh, this week had a holiday in it, uh, Memorial Day. It's a little different than usual because of obviously like COVID-19, mm-hmm. as we call it. And so uh, a lot of people, you know, usually have bar. Did you usually have barbecues or cookouts? Yeah, we day? usually go somewhere. Like years ago, we used to go to the Memorial Day Pyramids League. And that was always usually one of the biggest ones of the year. And uh, obviously with everything going on right now, Pyramids is still shut down at the moment. But uh, no, I'm pretty sure I just had kind of a relaxing day. I don't even actually remember if I played disc golf at all. <laughs> yeah, Memorial Day. Um, we didn't really have anything either. I think, I think I had up my uh, my brother and sister. So regulations have let up a little bit in Massachusetts now. You can have like immediate family or even extended family locally like join you so we still try to you know follow best practices but that's where we're at so uh anything happened for you this week i had something that happened to me that was kind of interesting i had kind of a low-key week the only thing i would say interesting that happened was um my job started back up so i'm back working full time which is nice because i'm back in a routine of things um it's manual labor which i enjoy doing a lot of the time that i spend not working. I was helping out. Like my dad and I built a shed over the quarantine and uh, my mom does a ton of gardening. So I was helping out her with the lawn and everything like that. But it's, uh, it's kind of nice to get back into the work truck and be back on that everyday schedule. Yeah. So my work situation hasn't really changed much. Not to, you know, everyone's probably, I don't want to say bored hearing about, you know, coronavirus, but I was at market basket and I was driving my work truck away from work and I parked at market basket to go grocery shopping to get some steaks or whatever, you know, and I loaded up a carriage, by the way, what do you, do you call it a carriage or a cart? A cart. Okay. So I said carriage. Yeah. That's interesting. If you, uh, say, if you're listening live right now, would you just comment? Like, do you say carriage or cart? Interesting. Um, so I was loading up and I'll just say it, my carriage and I had, uh, like some frozen stuff, some fresh stuff and just a whole bunch of other food. It was a full, full carriage full of uh, groceries. And I push it out to my truck and it was actually like a hot day. And I get to my truck and I kind of like, I can't believe it. Have you ever had somebody park so close to you in a parking spot that you're like, that's going to make loading my car with the groceries kind of tough? Oh yeah, absolutely. So immediately I'm like, frustrated like there's no way i'm gonna get my car in between oh there see cart yeah i was gonna say all the all the cart so it was like i couldn't get in between so literally and this has never happened before ever i'm like i'm gonna leave my carriage out here in the parking lot and i'm gonna drive my truck forward so like i can load it up and i go to jump into my truck and my truck won't start oh no and i'm like what I'm like, there's no way a dead battery. So I'm checking things. It has power the whole nine yards. This old lady, I start walking around the, the parking lot and I'm looking and this is, this is honestly, I'll, I'll admit it. This is a little bit sexist, but I looked for like the, the big burly man that's going to have jumper cables with his truck and he's going to come jump start my truck. So I start going around. I've got my mask on my face 
and I'm like going around like, hey, anybody like, and they're all like, kind of like, everyone's already a little standoffish as is right now because of everything. And they're like, who's this man coming over Trying like, to come up yeah, to with a yeah. mask on, right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and so... I'm going around and guess what? This old lady, like she hears me talking to other people. She's like, Sonny. I don't remember if she said Sonny, but she said something like, hey, I've got this cool little like gadget. And it's like a, you know, those batteries that you use to charge your phone. Yeah. Okay. That's what it was. And it had this like adapter and two like alligator clips. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm going to take her, take her up on it. But yeah. I don't know. There's any way it's going to start my truck. So I go to my truck, I plug it, I, I hook it up, and I go to start it, nothing. And I'm like, okay. And then she's like, hold on. And she goes, she gets her car, she drives over. And this is an old, this is like an older lady. I'm going to guess she was like, no offense to anybody, in her upper 60s probably. I consider that older. And um, she comes over with her car and she pulls out like full size. And I'm like, well, let's give this a go. This is more likely to work. So she hooks it up. She hooks it up because yep. she's like, I'll show you how to do it. Oh, yeah. And I go to start. It doesn't start. Well, I'll just get to like the moral of the story here. The starter on my truck just like just completely shot. went out yeah. while you're shopping. I had oh, no. I had power like it just wouldn't start. Yep. So my work, I call them. They say, hey, leave it there overnight. We'll fix it in the morning. So I do that. But here's where the unique part is. And just tell me, guys, is this coincidence? If you're listening live, you know, comment. If you're listening later, think about this. My family minivan for me and my kids and my wife. I'm going to guess about five years ago, same parking lot. Okay. And we don't usually like, this is not like a normal grocery store we go to same parking lot. We come out of the store and the minivan won't start because the key, it's those, one of those like digital fobs. Mm -hmm. It just would not read like to the van. Yeah. That was the two times, of it, yeah. two times, same parking lot, same like situation unfortunate moral of the story <laughs> no shopping at market basket in the month of may <laughs> i actually love market basket uh drop us a comment what's your favorite grocery store um but 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 uh i'm stuttering there but 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 <laughs> um but what i want to also just lead in here so thank you guys for sitting through that story in the first five minutes here we're going to be talking tonight to hannah Macbeth. you may know her name you you may recognize her last name we know her by her first name in fact inside of my phone contact list I was looking her up today and it's still in there with her maiden name. It's Hannah Croak. And I'm like, oh, Hannah Croak. I haven't yeah. seen that in a while. So it kind of has a familiar ring to it to me. We're going to bring her on in just a little bit. We're going to talk about the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Um, hey, Nick, we're going to ask you a question. We, we're going to have a topic about caddies tonight. We're going to ask you about what it was like to caddy for Brody Smith. So just be, like give us like a teaser. 45, yeah, no. uh, it was awesome and super entertaining. Okay, that was good. Yeah, we're gonna talk yeah. a lot more about that. Um, and then just caddying in general. Mm -hmm. And then we're gonna if assuming this is going well and people are enjoying it. And those of you listening later, if you're driving, maybe you want it to go longer. That's great. I drive a lot. I love listening to the long podcasts. Um, we're gonna talk about pay to play courses, and this is gonna be an interesting question. We're gonna get to it. How much would you pay? to play a round of disc golf. And this is kind of relevant because during coronavirus, this is a question, let's just hypothetically say it wasn't a virus that was life-threatening. Let's mm -hmm. just say like a world order said, you can only play disc golf if you pay a certain amount. What would that number be? Like, if they're like, hey, the number's $1,000, would there be people eventually who are like, I'll pay a thousand bucks to play disc golf? Mm -hmm. So what's the number? What's the dollar amount for you? And then we brought a game last week called Judge That Disc Golfer. What'd you think of that? It was awesome. 
Uh, it seemed like everyone actually really liked it. And uh, the kid who you interviewed, was it Josh? I think his name was. Um, he seemed like he was super into it. John. John. Yes. John you were close. Sorry. That's pretty good yeah, memory John. for that random disc golfer you were yeah. judging. Yeah. No, super nice kid. He seemed like he had a fun time just answering the questions. And uh, thankfully, he was allowing us to put him on our show. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. That's the that's where we're really getting to here. Um, we're going to go ahead and bring in our special guest because we're just going to bring her on as a guest host throughout the whole episode. We hope you enjoy it. So let's welcome on Hannah Macbeth. How are you doing, Hannah? Hey, hey. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hello. How are you? How are you guys? Hold on a good. second. Here we go. All right. Yeah, oh. good. I probably had a little echo there for some of our people. But we got that fixed right away. Awesome. So, Hannah, what's up? Hannah is uh, one of my best friends. She has been for probably about 13 years now, I think was about when I met her. And um, what's I kind of like a cool thing about that is Matt is the reason why both Hannah and I even play disc golf. Oh. So that's just kind of like a cool connection between <laughs> the three amigos that we have on the show tonight. So, wow. Do you remember that, Hannah? Like, go back and I guess we're just jumping into it. Nick just kind of segued there. Yeah. Like, do you remember... <laughs> Your life before disc golf, and then, like, what's your first literal memory of disc golf? Not, like, how did you get introduced? You know, that question gets asked a lot. Like, what was your first literal memory of disc golf? Can you remember that? Well, yeah, I went to uh, Liberty for their college for a weekend. And that was when I first met, like, Caleb and Nick Carl, and I was hanging out with, like, Bethany and Jameson and everybody. And so... It was crazy because when I left, they were all playing soccer. Like Andrew Langren was like getting everybody together and like everyone was going out and playing soccer and I play soccer. So I was really excited. And then when I came back, you and I think Skippy and I think a couple other people, uh, was it, were you playing? Wait, what's, um, Jeremy Binley. Yes. I think you guys were all playing and you guys all started playing together. And then you took a bunch of people from the youth group at your church and you turned all of my soccer friends into disc golfers. So I came back and was like, what the heck is this sport? And you guys went to pyramids and I could just go for free because I wasn't playing. And after watching you guys throw into trees and into the water like seven or eight times, I was like, okay, this is so boring. Like, what the heck is this sport? And that's like my earliest memory is like all of you guys going out <laughs> and instead of playing soccer together, we all played disc golf. And it was, it was so annoying. It was less cardio. You know, I, I deal very badly with shin splints and I was sick of getting them. So disc golf is a way to not get shin splints, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> For some reason, I feel like I'm going to laugh a lot tonight and I don't this is just going to be an epic show like sorry social yeah, I distancing like I, I just yeah, reached yeah. I just reached around I said, Hannah I, and I just put my hand on Nick <laughs> okay so we've got some people watching I'm not sure how many that's okay keep keep wait I have to say something else really quick yes Nick Carl said that you're the reason why we all play disc golf and that's true you introduced it to like the friend group but the reason why I kept playing disc golf was because of Juji Ferdella. And I just have to say happy hey. birthday to her because today is her birthday. Wow. Oh, happy birthday, Juji. I don't know if she's tuned in right now. Hopefully she gets a point listening. I actually just saw her and Doug last Sunday um, at a course. Yeah. So shout out to her. People that are watching from all over the country, the world, wherever they're tuning in right now, they're going to hear us having this like local connection because it's just how it is. 
like Hannah grew up here where we are located and Nick's her friend and I've known Hannah for a long time. So that will probably come up throughout the show. Just bear with us. It's going to be good. You can kind of feel like you're part of the family here. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that are going to come up tonight. I just wanted to, um, see where, well, actually, let me bring it back here. It kind of came up. I put out earlier on my social media, like, Hey, what should I talk to Hannah about? A whole bunch of stuff came up. If you want to look through that and pick one to answer later, you can do that, but, but you don't have any obligation to. But one thing that came up was I was like, Oh, Hannah, Hannah wore Vibram five fingers. Um, Dude, rough times. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, I just thought I'd bring that up just so people could visualize what that was like. Just bring us back there. Was that like, what was that time in your life? Like, (laughs) was that like, oh, this is definitely like how disc golf, like, is this what like disc golfers do? Or was that just like in general, like it looked cool? Because I'm not going to lie, like when they came out, I was like, Vibram Five Fingers, that it seems legitimately cool. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me because with my form and how it is now, there's no way I would be able to wear those shoes. <laughs> like there's no way your they balance wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause they don't really like they support you, but it's not like, it's just, it's not even like you would hurt yourself. Like there's no like grip, like yeah, not really. Exactly. With all the twisting that your plant foot does and everything like that, I couldn't imagine that that would be comfortable at all at this point. Yeah. But so I don't know why, but like back in the day I got my Vibram five fingers at like this running store and it was for like my birthday. My parents bought me them for my birthday and I started running and it was just harder to like do that and then they were really comfortable and you can wash them so I just was like well I'll just wear these to the disc golf course I guess Mm because all the tee pads at pyramids at the time were like either rubber or natural so I was like oh this is fine yeah um but yeah I don't know that was weird times but I love telling people like oh yeah I'm married to Paul Macbeth and I used to (laughs) I used to throw like prodigy discs in vibrant five fingers and i still landed paul Macbeth, and they're just it's just like one of my claims low-key weird flex but okay <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> um so you talked earlier about you know when we we're talking about you getting into disc golf and everything like that uh one of the things you said is you went for college for a weekend cfa down at liberty mm-hmm. you ended up attending college there for yep. four or five years mm-hmm. and what did you study tell us about your kind of college education and you know, how was so, it going to Liberty? Yeah, so I got my degree in exercise science and I minored in psychology because when you're working with people on like fitness and health and everything, you get confronted by a lot of like, whether it's like mental health or just psychological stuff that you have to know whether this is just a problem that they're having from the weekend mm-hmm. or something that they really need to see Um you know, like we can have cravings because we're hungry or we can have cravings because there's something going on. Um, and we're like, I, I needed to be able as a trainer, I felt like I needed to be able to deal with that. So, um, I wanted to understand the human psyche basically is my long winded way of saying that. Gotcha. But, um, so yeah, I studied exercise science and I didn't really know I wanted to be a physical therapist, but, um, it just didn't really work out. School was going to be a lot of money. And I had already gone into like debt, just going to school in the first place to get my mm-hmm. bachelor's. And there weren't really a lot of doors opening there. Um, so I just kept doing like training and I kept thinking about owning my own gym someday. 
and doors weren't really opening there. And then my senior year, I um, met Paul and I started to kind of like do his training for disc golf. And I just Mm -hmm. like, I'm assuming usually when people ask me this question, their next question is like, how do you use your degree? And I use my degree with like my husband and our training schedules. And even today I was feeling sore because I just, we flew in and then we were like sitting all day yesterday. I was like editing and just filling orders for helping them fill orders down at foundation. And just, it's crazy. Like I just know things now that I know how to stretch or how to work my body in a certain way and like how to help him out where we don't have to like go see a trainer or go to a PT or something like that. So it saves a lot of time and, um, I don't really use it to help anybody else other than us, (laughs) but (laughs) I don't use it to help anybody else. Well, the cool thing about that is you guys have the whole training facility. You guys have weights, you Mm -hmm. have, you know, squat racks, you have stretch bands, everything like that. And so actually when I was down there, it was either the last time I was down there or two times before, before that you had done a workout with Paul and I and told us what to do. We did a ladder drill. We did lunges with, I think it was a medicine ball. Um, you had to jump up and everything. There was a ton of stuff you're doing. And I remember it was a cold night. So I went down there. I was wearing a long sleeve shirt, joggers and everything like that. And within probably five minutes, I was sweating like profusely at that point. And so it was intense mm-hmm. at how much of a workout Hannah was giving us. But I remember waking up the next day and just feeling like really energized, wanting to go out and play disc golf, um, felt a lot better. So, yeah. So it's cool knowing you, Hannah. And, um, I think having you on the show, like I already mentioned, is going to be pretty cool. I feel like, and you can put me in my place, but I feel like we're going to be able to ask you some questions that maybe some other people don't feel as comfortable asking you. I'll let Nick do that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah throw, throw me under the intergram, bus, please. An Instagram and Instagram Q and a the yeah. other day, cause I was really bored. And some of the questions that I was getting, they're pretty wild, but then you don't have to, but like, I don't your, have to answer them. your response, just, like read them, laugh quietly to myself or yeah. like. Your response to those questions, though, were the best. Kind of the audacity and the audacity part, too. I I was dying laughing at those. Yo, so if we ask you a question and you don't feel like answering, just be like, yo, Nick Carl, the audacity. And I will instantly shut up. (laughs) Yeah, that'll work good. So, I mean, (laughs) it's not really like the elephant in the room, per se. I don't want to offend anybody here. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of like you're married to somebody that we all know and we all knew and like we still know. <laughs> like I'm just bringing it up because people are like, dude, that's Paul Macbeth's wife. And again, like in my contacts, it's kind of like, well, it still says Hannah Croak to me. But mm-hmm. yes, she's married to Paul. So like some people only know you because of who you married. And now they know you and they're probably friends with you. You have people that you've made friends and all that. I'm not just saying people only know about you. But I guess where I'm going with this is there's there was a period of time, this is obvious, before you even knew Paul or even knew he existed. And that's true for a lot of us and our spouses. <laughs> there was a time. Mm-hmm. And so that's not anything different. But then there was a time you met him and I'm going to kind of lead you through this here, but you met him and he was, and I'm assuming you knew this when you first met him or heard about him. Like he was a professional disc golfer. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if you knew if he was the best or contending for the best. I don't know if you knew that you can talk about that in a second. Um, But then there was a period of time, like where you were dating him, where I'm sure things started to change where it was like, 
and maybe you're going to correct me. I hope, I hope you have a cool like story here where it went from, he was the pro disc golfer and you were probably, and I'm just going to make this up. You were probably like really excited about that. This is cool. Like he's a, he's like the mm -hmm. best, like this is Paul Macbeth. Like, but then it must've transitioned. That's what I'm trying to get. It must've transitioned at some point and not probably fully away, but till now it's like, this is my best friend and I want to marry them and like live with them and like, you know, share my life with them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nick Carl. <laughs> What? Bob Julio, our team manager, just texted me and it popped up on my screen. And he's like, yo, you got to do something with Paul's hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, so my mom is actually like, in the chat right now. Like saying all this stuff about how I'm like Paul's wife and my life is like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's going to ask me like these questions and then I just get a text like that. <laughs> nice. My mom's in the chat right now. So if you guys come up to Massachusetts, she's back at work. So she will happily cut Dude, Paul's hair. Melanie, look at all this. Yeah. She's probably Come on. okay. So to our audio <laughs> listeners, <laughs> to our to our podcast audio listeners, um, Hannah's showing us her hair. I don't see anything wrong with it. For those of you listening, it's just Maybe. super long. Okay, yeah. it's super long. So just imagine really long hair on Hannah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyways, Paul Paul didn't show up. We don't see his hair on camera yeah. here. It was just her. But, um, so yeah. you caught the whole grasp here, though. I'm curious in like. I don't know why, but I'm curious, like what that was like, because I've never dated a, uh, I'm just going to call him a superstar. As far as the disc golf world goes, that's what he is. And I'm sure you navigated that as you went through. So kind of like, what was that like for you? I'm, I'm specifically saying again, like meeting him, knowing who he was, and that's probably who you were attracted to at first. And then it probably changed. And then it became your best friend. You want to marry him. So I got it all out again. Take it away. What do you got? Yeah, so I get this question a lot because I feel like people want to know who Paul is um, outside of the disc golf course. Because on the disc golf course, he's just like McBeast, right? Like that's his nickname. And so I met him at a disc golf tournament in 2015. Um, I was like following Paige Pierce and that's a whole nother story for a different time. Um, but I was following Paige Pierce and she invited me you know, back and I ended up meeting Paul and, uh, we became really good friends. And I just, he told me like, I obviously knew about professional disc golf cause I knew Nick Carl. Right. But I didn't know, like, um, I didn't know like what it took to be where he was. I didn't understand that there was a tour. I didn't understand that he was the best in the world. I just, thought he was really good. And why wouldn't you want to come play Maple Hill? Because it's really great. Like, why wouldn't anybody want to come play this tournament? And, but I didn't understand that was their job. And I even followed Paige for like the year previous on Instagram and saw that she was going to all these places, but social media wasn't really that popular. I think in 2015, I think Instagram was relatively new Yeah, and everyone was kind of in that weird transition of like, everyone's on Facebook, but Facebook is really just a place for your immediate friends and family. And I was in college, so I was in my own little bubble of life. Um, anyways, yeah. So when I met Paul, I wasn't interested at all in the fact that he played disc golf. I just, and I don't know if that was like a God thing or what, but I just really could not have cared less that that was what he did other than the fact that that was an aspect of what made him who he is. 
Um, to, to me, it was just a piece of who he was. It wasn't like his identity. And so I was more interested in learning about like his decisions and his decision making processes and his family and his friends and what kind of person he was. And so I didn't get to know him as McBeast. I just knew him as Paul. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people weren't expecting that because when you meet someone who's really talented at something and that overtakes their entire life, um, usually that's very captivating. And that didn't really captivate me. I was more of, I would say, an escape for him. Um, I had friends outside of disc golf. I had people who didn't even know what disc golf was. They didn't understand it unless we said Frisbee golf, which yep. is we all know how that is or people thought you were um, saying disco i get yeah. that a ton yeah. does anybody else yeah yeah does anybody else get that that's listening live right now we do a live recording for those of you listening later you can always join us thursday evenings does anybody else get that you tell somebody you play disc golf and they're like you do disco i've had that happen yeah. so many oh, times yeah. okay back to the story so uh we all know paul is like a competitor and and people who are fans of him um, they know him as McBeast. And the reason I keep saying that is to, to, um, I guess have one part of him be Paul and the other part of him be that competitive driven version of himself, mm-hmm. because what took a long time to get used to is the fact that he's not the same person that he is off the course as he is on the course. And that's why his vlogs are so popular. And that's why my DMs are always like, wow, it's nice to see Paul doing something other than competing. And why a lot of people flock to my Instagram because I don't ever post him as like competitive Paul. I post just like who he is as a person. Yeah, exactly. And that was really hard. I'm not going to lie to you. Like I got to know him, you know, we were dating for a while and when we dated when you date someone you can like take somebody on a date you can take each other on dates you can go to the movies for a couple hours you can go out to dinner you can do all these things and decide whether or not you want to continue dating that person but for us it was a lot of um phone calls and skype from like tournaments and you know it was getting to know each other that way and then um it was a lot of he would fly out to Virginia and take a couple weeks off if there was a break between the tour mm-hmm. and Nate Sexton would drive the rig to uh, wherever the next place was, or he would leave it and he'd go home to his family and Paul would come to Virginia and he would stay with my disc golf coach at his house and sleep like in his basement. Yep. And then he would take me on dates and we would like get to know each other that way. But it was very unconventional and it was just, how it kind of had to be. But that's, I think, why we didn't really talk about his career that much because he was coming off of it into my world. And so everything was like, oh, I have disc golf practice. Do you want to come? And obviously everyone who met him at the disc golf practices were like, wow, Paul Macbeth. But I was just like, yeah, that's the guy I really like. Like he's really cool, you know? Um, But to answer your question a little bit further, I want to talk about something that I've never really talked about before, which is getting to know Paul as Paul, um, like Paul Macbeth, like famous Paul. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really difficult for just a couple of reasons. Um, he is, and Nick Carl knows this and he's seen it firsthand. He is a 100% driven competitor. 
And when he puts his mind to something, that is what he's doing. And that is the priority. And when you're dating or married to a professional athlete or someone who is, I guess, just driven in that way and has that mind to like, you know what? In this case, I can only speak about myself. So if you're like in my experience with Paul, um, I'm not the priority when it comes to like disc golf tournaments, you know, cause, cause I can't be, that's mm-hmm. not how our life is right now. So if we're on the way to a tournament and I'm giving him a ride and I feel, um, you know, if I feel a certain type of way or sensitive, or I want to have a heart to heart about something that happened, or I want to bring up something that happened that morning that I really want him to apologize for, um, a lot of the time, if our conversations, if it comes between like finishing the conversation or going out to like warm up, he's like, listen, I got to go. I love you. It's time time to to clock in. I got to get ready for the tournament. And a lot of people, yes. And it's also challenging because I'm very animated and I'm very dramatic and that's like who I am as a person, um, which both of you definitely know that. (laughs) But, um, he's not, he's very just clean cut and very business. And he's a little bit more shy until he really gets to know you and trusts you to like, let his guard down and just like, you know, play or do whatever, um, people are doing. And unless it's with kids, he's super good with kids, but, um, I've seen that firsthand. I've seen that firsthand (laughs) with my four kids. It's just like, I remember, I think it was at one of the Eagles wings chapels in here in Leicester, like my kids were there and like, we're all hanging out talking like the adults, if you will. And I'm like, yeah. where's Paul? Oh, he's, no, he's in yeah. that other room, like yeah. playing with all the kids. <laughs> That's Paul. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'd rather be doing that. And the reason is because it's just, he feels like he can like let his guard down, I think. But, um, so is it know, weird to you? Like just from you saying that right now, like, is it, oh, man, I always like wrestle with things here. Like, is it weird to you that like, people always ask you about Paul. Now we're turning into like the, the Nick and Matt, like therapist show. Like people are always asking you about Paul. Like people come up to me and they say, Hey Matt, how are you doing? Like they don't come up to me and say like, Hey Matt, how's your, how's your wife? Like I've seen what she's been doing. Like maybe some people do like if they're interested in what she's doing, but like, do you have people? And again, I don't want this to turn into the therapist show. <laughs> like, do you have people? Cause I even asked you just now, like, Hey, tell us about Paul and what that's like. I mean, you have an identity too. So like that must've been part but of the journey because, as well. But people want to know about him because they want to connect with him like off the course. Mm. They want to be able to like see him be something other than Paul McBeast. You know, they want to like relate to him. If they find out, oh, his favorite color is blue and their favorite color is blue, they're like, wow, that's a connection. And that's how we are with the people that we look up to and admire. Like we always want to find something in some way to connect with them. Um, But what I was saying real quick was um, I just like remembered. And basically I think back like, So like I said, I'm really animated and he's not. And one of the ways that it comes out when he is in that mindset is like when he won Worlds this past year, I ran up to him and was like crying and was like, just because you guys don't like, and no one will ever know or understand what disc golf, what it does to, to a couple, you know what I mean? Like who's on the road, like 
there are so many sacrifices made and so many things that we miss with our families because we need to get to a tournament and and we're super blessed and we tour and like one of the most comfortable, incredible ways, but you know, life is still life and it still comes with ups and downs that are really difficult. And so I just, all of that came to the surface and all of those long nights that he was like practicing putting and all of the times he spoke forward, like I'm going to win worlds and all this stuff. So there's me who's like, wow, like, congratulations. I'm so proud of you. And then there's Paul who's like, And not, I, he just, oh, not animated he at all. Yeah. So yeah, for the podcast listeners, Hannah just did a hand. Hannah just did a hand in oh, front yeah, of sorry. her face. Yeah. That's okay. Sorry. I'm just letting people know, like stone cold is like what she was showing us. Yeah, he's just very emotionless, but just still very like because he's just in it, like mentally, like he's a hundred percent in the tournament. And to him, he we got back to the car after like doing all the interviews and everything. And he made all the appointments to like go on people's podcasts and everything. We get back to the car and he's like, man, I sucked this last round. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you just won a world title. Like, where are we going to celebrate? And he's like, I don't know. I just want to go back to the RV. Cause like he is never satisfied with what he accomplishes for more than a few moments. And then it's on to the next thing. And that is not, how I am. I'm very emotions based and I'm very like, wow, like we have to celebrate you. Congratulations. And so, um, we, yeah, that's, that was like one of the best examples I can give of the differences between us as far as like the media goes and getting used to the attention. I don't know. That's like, yeah, you know, that's always interesting, but I feel like I've been in it for so long now that like, it doesn't, people's opinions of me don't bother me anymore. It's yep. really just what I know. Wow. So. And aside from being, you know, in everyone else's media, you've also been on the front line of the media. Like you've done the coverage at the USDGC last year. You've done a ton of commentary stuff. You and Terry Miller have done stuff together. And so that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You're kind of outspoken personality and your animation through everything in disc golf has created kind of a different pathway rather than just being a player at every single tournament you've also found a different calling where you can do all the commentary stuff and be on the front lines mm -hmm. of the social media be on the front lines of just the media filming in general and, you and one thing see, i want to say about yeah. that one thing i want to say about that really quick i was having this conversation with some friends last night um that the other thing that's and this kind of relates to like the question that matt asked me doing that finding your own things to do is really really important when you're surrounded when you're really close to someone who's very successful mm -hmm. um, because it's very easy to just want to do what they do and expect the same success because you're with them. Um, and I really never felt that way. I never really understood like what I really wanted to do with disc golf and why I would accept a sponsorship and all this stuff. But all of these opportunities started coming to me with like, Oh, you're 832 rated. And I want to sponsor you because you just won your first eight tier ever in mm -hmm. your life. Or, Oh, you're with Paul Macbeth. Like here, here's some Adidas shoes or here's a belt or here's this. Can you post on your Instagram? And I was getting all of these things and I was given all of these opportunities um, that other women in the sport and other players in the sport didn't have yet. And so I had to really be grounded in who I was outside of my husband. Um, because otherwise I would find my identity in everything that he does. And that's 
terrible. Like yeah. You can't do that. You have to have your own stuff going on, your own projects. You have to have, you know, even if it's disc golf themed and I'm on, you know, doing interviews and I'm doing podcasts or I'm doing vlogs or I'm doing all this stuff that is happening because of him or includes him. I'm still my own person and I have my own to-do list outside of him. Um, And I think we see that a lot in the people that we surround ourselves with. A lot of people come around us and they say that they want what we have um, until it's really time to work for it. And then it's like, yeah, I'd rather just want it. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually, I did a whole bunch of like just quick jotting down when I was like, oh, we've got Hannah coming on the show. Like my brain just started racing, but you kind of brought it up here. It was like, this is interesting. And this is, this could be more of a yes or no, or you could elaborate. Have you come to love the sport yourself? Or do you think it's developed into something because you married Paul? Like, do you think you would have like, oh, disc golf, it's so cool. And like, I'm going to be sticking with it as like a choice for my life. Or do you think you're with it now because of Paul and you've come to love it? Or like, you see what I'm asking? So, yeah, I actually, I journaled about this the other day. Nerd alert. I journal. <laughs> um. Anyways, oh, you guys can't see my hands, yeah. but I just threw well, some peace signs. Yeah, the anyways. podcast <laughs> listeners can't, but the people watching live can. So you can do both, everybody. All right. I'll just narrate. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah, I, when I first got introduced to disc golf, I like to say that I liked disc golf, but it wasn't love at first sight. So to answer your question, no, I don't think I would be involved with disc golf if Paul wasn't so heavily influential. And just Mm -hmm. what happened was we would go out and play and he would just like teach me things. And eventually I just was taught things and I just started to play. Like I remember playing with you every year in Massachusetts and every year you would be like, wow, like you've gotten so good. Like what the heck? You're throwing the disc so far. Wow. Your putting is so good. And it was because of him, but I never realized this, the transition of, wow, I'm actually getting better. Cause I was like, wow, I I wish this guy that I had a huge crush on would stop teaching me how to do something. And I wish I could just figure it out so that he would just be like, wow, that's so impressive. Did you see the way she just threw that disc? But instead it was like, yeah, you did that part right. But if you do this part better, then you can be even better than you were before. And it's yeah. like. He's never content with how it so, was thrown. No. Yeah. I'm over here laughing. But it's okay. Because yeah. um, I think I've seen that yeah, during no, like. I don't, I don't I, think I would. I've seen that during a practice round, I think. And now I've noticed, and maybe it's totally separated, but you do your own like practice rounds before a tournament now. Or that's what I've observed at least. Is that kind of part of that? Like just get into your own focus, right? It's your own game. So the issue that I was having for people that don't know, um, I've only been playing the sport for competitively for like three years now. This is like, was supposed to technically be like my third or something. And so I've learned a lot in a short amount of time and Paul has taught me everything, but he's not always a good teacher, but he's the only teacher that I have. Mm -hmm. And so if he's, telling me something and I don't understand and I get irritated or I get defensive because I don't want to be taught. I just want to go out and play because it's a game and he's challenging me to treat it like something else, or he's like helping me treat it like something else. Then, you know, we've had some really big fights just to be totally transparent. (laughs) Um, and Nick Carl like probably knows, but 
it's really, really hard when your spouse is like your coach. And people will always tell me like, like you're so lucky because Paul and Beth is teaching you everything. And I'm like, you're right, but he's also my husband. And so you can't go home to your husband and be like, man, my coach was so annoying today. Yeah. He wouldn't get off my case because he's your coach. Like yep. you can't talk to him about him. Um, I you have just, to like let things die down first. I know people want to hear you more than me, but like that happened to me, like during piano lessons growing up, my dad was a piano teacher, my piano teacher. And it was like, I think I might've enjoyed piano more if he wasn't my teacher. I was like, I quit. I'm done with piano. Like, because you can't like, you can be like, this is hard. And your dad can be like, straighten up and like, get this done. <laughs> like, But your piano teacher is probably going to find a different way to do that. And so I can relate in a, mm -hmm. in a small yeah. sense. Yeah. So. I think kind of to go on what I, Hannah was, huh? Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, can go I, ahead, to go on what you were saying is that, uh, with Paul being a coach and Paul being, you know, not the greatest coach at all times. Like a lot of people have asked me, you know, Hey, you're really good friends with Paul. Like, you know, what does he teach you during your rounds? What does he teach you? The thing about Paul though, is Paul's more a player than a coach like when we go out and do a practice round he's practicing to win the tournament that we're at or he's practicing to get better at something when we're on the course and so i don't like to take paul's attention away from that there are times where i'll say wow that was a horrible shot what did i do wrong like can you watch me throw another one and he'll give me a quick tip of like you know hey your feet are lined up wrong on the tee pad you should line up kind of like one more foot to the right now your angle's a little bit better go from there but that's yeah. i think one of the biggest things is paul's not a full-time coach you know, he's not like the coach from LU. He's not there to coach players. He's more so there to play. And so I think when you guys go out for a practice round, you're both there to play. So it's hard to coach each other. That, that being said, and like Hannah can talk about her husband as much as she wants to. That's totally cool. I feel like if we just <laughs> talk and talk about him with her as our co-host co tonight, it could be a little different. She's like, what are they talking about? But but I've also, in another perspective, from what Nick is talking about, like I've been at like a cookout, right? Where Paul and Hannah are there and Nick's there and I'm hanging out with Nick and Paul and Hannah and whoever else is there. And like I'll overhear Paul because Nick's looking at his form from like a tournament throw. Like he happened to make it on like a feature card or something. And like he's they're they're analyzing like the round, like right after the round and Paul's going frame by frame with Nick. I have seen this. Like, mm -hmm. see how your arm is like twisted like this? Like, this is not a thrower's motion. Like, like, yeah. and so like, to be clear, my outside observation is he may not be like a good coach, but he's extremely intelligent with everything that he's doing and why he does it. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. Paul is beyond knowledgeable when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I've seen him do it with Hannah, where all of a sudden, you know, like we were, um, last time I was out in Virginia, we were working on spin putting and that was something that Hannah never really, you know, went for was spin putting. She was always more of a up and down push putter. And then within 15 minutes of Paul kind of teaching, okay, this is what you do with your footwork. Your arm goes more straight than it does up and down. Now she's canning 30 foot spin putts and she was even doing it like through the ladder that we had hung up. And so he is really knowledgeable when you do ask him questions, but at the same time, Paul's also. Paul is so good that sometimes it gets to a point where it's like, I just taught you that. How are you not doing it correct? Where it's like, oh, hey, Paul, I keep like my left arm goes through and that's causing me to round a little bit. And he's like, bro, you've been playing for seven years. How is that not fixed yet? And I'm like, dude, I can't do it. He's like, put your hand in your pocket. I'm like, Paul, I throw very badly when I do that. He's like, I don't care. Just keep doing that. And then so it's frustrating. And I totally understand 
where the frustration in having Paul as a coach can come from sometimes because we all want to be the best players we can be for the most part, especially like I'm competitive. I know Hannah's competitive. Matt, you're competitive. We all want to be incredible disc golfers. And there are times where it's so beyond frustrating when you see someone do it so effortlessly. And then you go and try to do the same thing. Like Paul, I'll be at a tournament and I play rounds with Simon too, where they see trees and they're like, oh, there's no line through them. So I'm just going to go over them. And I'm like, okay, I'm totally going to try that in the tournament. This is going to be a great opportunity. So what did I do in Memorial last year? I tried throwing over the trees and I got my first two meter rule ever. Dude. So stupid on my part. And uh, it's just kind of like stuff like that. So it's funny when I go off for practice rounds now, I have to think, don't do the Paul, don't do the lines Paul is doing. Do what you know how to do. And so, yeah. Okay. So last, I think this will be the last question on, on this topic before we move on. And it's really fun. This is the only way that like, it's really fun to talk about, honestly, because okay. it's something that people don't think about you know they don't think about how it could be hard they just think about well obviously like you're good you look who you train with and they don't think about wow that must be kind of hard to like be training with one of the best players in the world um so it's kind of nice because i feel very validated right now (laughs) yeah no absolutely we know exactly what you're talking about no that's good and i i told you this leading into this podcast i was like i feel like we have a little and Maybe I'm just thinking incorrectly, but I feel like we have a little bit more opportunity to ask you some questions that maybe others feel like maybe is a little Mm -hmm. bit further than they should ask. But I do want to say this as again, not to maybe jump off of it, but because we got a lot of cool topics to talk about. Let me just ask this. If you guys are listening to podcasts now, Nick kind of gives me insider scoops. He's like, oh, they like listening to podcasts because he'll go down and he's like, I don't really like listening to podcasts. Yeah, when I'm Usually when I'm working out, I'm trying to like listen to some heavy metal or something like that. And then Hannah and Paul have a podcast going on. And I'm like, how am I supposed to do PRs when I'm working out with podcasts going on? So let me ask this question. Well, you can correct that if you'd like to, but whether you do or you don't. But my question is, I, I can't believe like, if you guys do listen to podcasts, like especially if they're disc golf podcast, as soon as the name Paul Macbeth comes on the podcast, you guys just turn it off or you guys get like, ooh, we're really interested. Like, what are they going to say? Like, which way does it go? Because obviously we just talked about 30 minutes. Is Paul already shut it off by now? Oh, I don't know where he is. No, no. I mean, like, I mean, like later this podcast oh, happens no, 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 to like no, no. fall into his stream oh. and he's like, wow, like there's a lot of talk about me. Like, yeah. does he listen to it or does he not? And this is kind of my wrap up of this. He does, because when you're someone like Paul, you have kind of. How do I say this? A brand, right? So Paul Macbeth, like the disc golfer is not who Paul Macbeth is like off the course. Like he has a, obviously he's still very authentic, but the things that he does on the course, he doesn't like, in my experience in talking to him, he doesn't like say that that's who he is. Like he doesn't identify with like what he does on the course. Does that make sense? Yes. So when he hears about stuff that he's done and they're talking about his performances, he doesn't like take it personally or like, use it I I would say if people are doubting him then he uses it as fuel but if people are praising him he's just like listening to it because it's on um and he just wants to know what people think but not because he like needs to hear what people think about him Mm -hmm. it's just like 
I don't know. Does I get that make it. Sense? I get it. It makes sense. And I think most of our listeners and viewers right now are probably understanding that. I feel like we should kind of have on though, like NF right now, like therapy session. Cause like, he's going to listen to this and find out a lot of stuff about himself that you've kind of yeah. like you're sharing. <laughs> he obviously, he knows it from you already, but I'm just saying like, he's going to listen to this and be like, wow. Okay, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so now, now that, like you know, hearing the, it all out. Yeah. Now that in the future, you know, when Paul does listen to the podcast, he skipped through all the Paul Macbeth talk. We can get on to a different topic where it's not really Paul Macbeth related, kind of is, but it's more so you guys as a couple and you guys together. The national tour and the majors, the PDGA announced that they're canceled. But the Disc Golf Pro Tour just released today all the slides talking about how they do want to and are planning on continuing the season through four different phases. They have events scheduled up for everyone. Um, I think the first one starting in Kansas. Yeah, Dynamic Disc Open. Yep. By the way, that's a brand new event. So which... that's pretty cool. You know, we are having an awful year kind of with everything going on. And so you you and I have talked about multiple times kind of like what your plan was this year. It was, I want to go to these events because they're incredible events. I don't want to go to these events because either you don't like them or you just don't want to go to them. You want to be back at your house. Now that the tour is kind of starting in the Midwest and moving over to the East Coast, kind of where we're all from, are you excited to get back out on the road? Like, what do you, what are you guys' thoughts on it? I'm sure Paul's already read the article. I'm sure you have as well. Or have you? I mean, we should ask, are you yeah. aware of the Disc Golf Pro Tour? Just like, by the way, you're starting up your tour in three weeks. No. I know about this. Come on, give me a break. Okay, we're giving you a break. Yeah. No, um, so I'm not just Googling it on my phone right now. Um, no, I did know about it. And I just listened to the podcast um, on Ulti World, their latest podcast. They interviewed Jeff mm -hmm. and they had him talk about a lot of different things in more detail, which was really interesting. But so to be perfectly honest with you, um, and I know I've talked to Nick Carl about this because if you're just tuning in for whatever reason, Nick Carl is one of my best friends. Hey. So uh, we be chatting. And we one of the, the things tea. that we be chatting about is our feelings. And to be very transparent, when the tour ended, I did not miss it. And I read a lot of Instagram posts about, um, especially from like Haley King and Kona and Madison Walker and all these other women who are my competitors, just being like, wow, I can't believe I have to go home. I've, you know, I've been working so hard. I've been training so hard. Like what is happening? Life is kind of up in the air. And um, people were posting, I miss playing disc golf. I miss playing disc golf. And I didn't. And, um, I really had to look in within myself and be like, why do I not miss competing? And it honestly has to do with the fact that I never had the opportunity to play local tournaments to get better. So on tournaments that I'm training for are the biggest A tiers and NTs and majors. And that's just because of who my touring partner is and where he yep. goes, I go. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we get to play things like the two days in May and I'll like, you know, just miss it by a stroke. Or sometimes we get to play things like the Kansas city wide open with a smaller field. And it's like me and Missy Gannon just battling back and forth the whole time. Um, but for the most part, I have to play tournaments that I'm not going to win. <laughs> yeah. And that's really, really hard mentally hey. to just 
Welcome to the <laughs> welcome to the club. I get to play tournaments that I'm just not going to win too, and it, <laughs> that's just my life as well. But no, I take your points well taken. I'm just kind of saying like it's true. Like, but but actually, shout out to you. You play local tournaments. You have a very good chance at winning. Whereas it's it's a I don't want to say a shot in the dark for me, but anyways, I thought I was being funny. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry I interrupted you. <laughs> <laughs> No apologizing, Matt. It's cool. We're all friends here. Yeah. Okay, so I cut you off, and you were actually sharing some really interesting stuff there. Do you have anything else you want to touch touch on that, like yeah, with, with it coming back or, or the feelings you had off of it and now the announcement of it coming back? Yeah. Um, This is something I haven't really shared with anybody but a couple of people in my, my close circle. So this podcast is super fun because we're just airing it all out, which is always fun to do publicly in front of strangers. Um, but anyways, welcome to my life. So uh, I was really struggling with that thought process of why don't I miss this? Why, you know, is do I want to be a professional disc golfer? Is my goal to win worlds? Do I want to do all these things? Why did I take a sponsorship with this craft? Why am I sponsored at all? Um, you know, what is my, what do I want to do? And so I've really been figuring that out and, uh, trying to navigate my own mental toughness and allow myself grace to grow as an athlete, because I really have been like thrown into the fire. I turned pro, really early in my career because I felt like after I won my first A tier, um, I was kind of like bullied by someone and they made me feel really insecure about winning and they made me feel like I was a bagger even though I'd never played and there wasn't, I don't know, it was really hard. And so um, I was like pressured from the outside and I didn't handle that well. And so I like, when I played really well in Europe, I took cash and turned pro and I just ever since have been trying to figure out, okay, am I going to dedicate my life to this? If I do that, what does that look like? And I think what happened was I decided, yeah, I'm going to dedicate my life to professional disc golf and I'm going to do everything that I can. And I'm going to get training from Paul and I'm going to work out, eat well and do all this stuff. And I did this whole winter. I ate really well. I worked out a lot. I played with Paul. I practiced and I'll let you know that I did not, my body composition did not change. Um, my mentality got stronger, but my, and my skills got stronger, but at the tournaments, I didn't play amazing. I had poor finishes at like all of the tournaments that I played at, even though I played well in some areas that really affected me. And it really brought me back to this place where I was like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Like, could I be excellent at something else? Am I just wasting my time? You know? Yeah. What am like? I'm not contributing anything to my family. If anything, I am costing us money because the tournaments are not cheap. And even though I can have sponsorships and I can, you know, find people who want to uh, sponsor my events or whatever, like workout deals with brands and stuff, I was really, really having this crisis. And then at the same time, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then bam, COVID-19 and everyone yep. had to go home and everyone went home and they were all like, man, I was like just getting warmed up. I can't believe this happened. And I just was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think I want to take a step back and let myself get better at disc golf before I sign up for all these tournaments, because yeah. you can't get better when you have a tournament every single weekend 
and you never have a chance to practice outside of a course. Yeah, you you don't have a chance um, to kind of hone in the skills that you might have messed up on during that tournament. You know, you really don't because by the time Sunday ends, you guys, if you're driving the RV, you're pretty much on the way to the tournament that night. And you're driving either yeah. through the night, you're getting there Monday, maybe Tuesday, then you have two or three days to practice. And that's pretty much just learning the course. And once you've learned the course, now it's like, well, I didn't really get enough time to work on my circle one putting or, you know, my hyzers feel off, kind of something like that. That's what it's like. And in the meantime, in the meantime, more women are coming onto the tour. Yeah. Like Missy Gannon wasn't here a couple of years ago mm -hmm. and now she's here and she's bumped me down a couple of pegs and you know, all of a sudden we have Evelina and Hannah coming out to the yeah. U.S. and traveling more. And then Kristen Starr comes out and she travels more. And then you have women that come to, you know, every other event or they come for like one side of the coast. And it's really, really, it's the hardest thing in the world to be touring and to travel and to play and to not finish well and to not have anyone in your corner being like, you know, as someone who responds really well to like affirmation, I felt like I wasn't being affirmed by anything in disc golf. And at the time I was really doubting myself. And then Brody came in to our like group and he had all this excitement and all this energy and all this drive. And he kept talking about how he wants to be one of the best disc golfers ever. And he wants to, you know, make all these accomplishments. And he was like, he kept saying things like, you know, if you don't want this and he didn't know that I was struggling with this. He was just saying, because people kept asking him like, do you want to be a professional disc golfer? Wow. That's so crazy. And he kept saying in all of his interviews, like into us, you know, if I didn't want to be the best, why would I be in the sport? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, how do you keep grinding out and putting yourself through something when you don't know if you even want, you know, the end result of like a yeah. championship or a win or a world. And people will be like, Oh, I hope you and Paul both win worlds one year. And I'm just thinking like, man, like, is that really what I want? Like, Whoa. So that's what I've been talking about. Um, and so during the off season 2.0, uh, I've made a lot of moves to work more closely in the media. Awesome. And that, yeah, that kind of was one of our things we were going to ask. And we figured just asking the questions, this would kind of get brought up we were going to kind of ask what your main goal was and moving more towards the media side of it, like just kind of going through the comments, Sully, Ryan Sullivan had said he Aww. genuinely absolutely loved your commentary, fun facts, good info, which I think a lot of people agree with because you did more research than a large majority of commentators have ever done. Like you talked about, Hey, this is what he did in this tournament, or this is what she did in this tournament back in 2013, you know, when she had her, first breakout year or something like that. Like you had those facts and I thought that was super enjoyable, especially being at USDGC with you and seeing the Volcrum production and everything like that. It was such a cool professional feeling. Um, just me being on the sidelines, watching one of my best friends find her spot where she feels the yeah. most comfortable in the sport. And you and I had talked about kind of what you were just saying with Brody. I wasn't going to bring it up. I didn't know if that was something you were going to bring up, but you talked about how, he has this huge drive. He wants to be the best competitor he can be. And you're just not feeling that right now. And, mm -hmm. you know, you said it earlier too. I think one of the things is you didn't really get a chance to compete in the local scene. Like I've always asked Paul, what's it take to get to the big leagues? He said, win every tournament locally, get to thousand rated, and then make your way out on the tour. Kind of like dip your feet in the water. And you were actually going to do that this year with two days in May, battle for Bedford. Like you had local tournaments signed up. And then COVID-19 and then COVID-19 came along 
and created Offseason 2.0. So, I don't know. I think it's super cool. I love that your commentary skills are incredible. You're such a fun, like, passionate person when it comes to all that. So, seeing you in future commentary, I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, so people are commenting, and again, this is a live recorded podcast. Most podcasts oh, are people live. People are actually watching. That's so yeah. Cool. I yeah. guess I guess most podcasts. Your are sister recorded. has the most comments, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I see a lot. But yes, that may be true, but there are a lot of great comments coming in, thanking you for your candidness and and the answering of tough questions, or that could be seemingly tough to some people. You're answering them very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Let's kind of just let me just give a recap here because we just touched on it. We announced, or we didn't announce, but the Disc Golf Pro Tour announced they're coming back. Let's just hit on some of these keys for someone who's listening and didn't have time to go through or listen to the Jeff Spring podcast because they're listening to the Nick and Matt show. I mean, <laughs> let's just give them a quick rundown here. So this year, the SFO at San Francisco Open was canceled because of, I'm just going to consolidate all this because it wasn't realistic that it could happen there. Um, The Portland Open was canceled as well because they weren't able to fully say like, hey, this event is going to happen. It might have been able to, it's probable, but they had to just pull the plug because the timeline and everything that's going on. So they're starting it up Mm -hmm. again, June 26th. Through the 28th, a brand new event, Dynamic Discs Open. I I don't want to call it the replacement of GBO, but you have to believe that Dynamic Discs is getting another shot this year at running an event, and they've had Junior Worlds and GBO and all these taken away, um, pulled a rug right out from underneath, and that is going to be a very large event. You have to believe it's going to have some new things that they're going to probably test out at this event. But they're also probably going to have a lot of, I would imagine, familiarity to the GBO. That's just maybe maybe not all the AM side, which is obviously a huge, huge part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but So that's what's happening there. And then they're adding another new event. And this is in the Midwest, the beginning to kick off the tour again, if you will. And it's called the Preserve Championship. And that's happening July 4th weekend. In Minnesota, right? Yeah, yep. and that's up at Kale Visca. Now, do you, either of you have insight into that? I've seen some of the social media. Kale, the preserve, that is that like his course that he's designed or is that his property or like what is that? Does anybody have a scoop there? I have no scoop on that one. What do you got, Hannah? Yeah, I think that's the course that he has designed. Okay. And I think there's cool. two or is there just one? I don't know. But um, from what I have heard and seen going on, it's uh, relatively easy so people are hoping that he will, um, I don't know, make some changes to make it a bit more of a pro course, mm-hmm. but that's just word of mouth from like people that have been talking about. Yeah. So anybody who's listening live, you can give us some details on that, but I think that's realistically what the case is there. This is a course that Kale designed and you have to believe with Kale's hand being involved here, obviously as a great professional player, but also as somebody who I think does anybody here know he he had a big hand in uh, the Majestic, right? Or the um, Blue Ribbon Pines, all that going on there? Or is that just local? Yeah, him? because I, th- I think his company is Airborne. like a big sponsor of the Majestic. Yeah, so, I'm pretty sure. it's They're all Prodigy Baskets. I know that, you know, with him being Prodigy. And I think Airborne and his company have a lot to do with kind of maybe maintenance. I could be totally wrong on this, but I do know he's local to that area. Um, he's played that tournament. I can't imagine how many times. And he's probably won it a majority of the times. Yeah, I guess where I'm going with that is that the Disc Golf Pro Tour has like fairly, I don't know, maybe with the change from Jeff Spring, things have changed. But like they had fairly strict standards on like, hey, 
an event shouldn't be an elite event unless it's gone through like the first what do they call it that first tier the, like silver series. the silver series yeah yep. and so like yep. for them to do this is this like grasping at like hey we want to get our full season back like we're going to kind of and everybody has the right to do that regardless of coronavirus or not mm -hmm. but like with this situation it was just kind of like hey kale obviously can help run a great event he has a great course we trust him we think it's going to be awesome and obviously dd running what they do like there's no questions there but it is a first year event both of those yep. to relaunch it so do you think that's going to be interesting and exciting for players to start off at an event at dd or is it going to kind of feel like hey this was the gbo pushed back like what's your perspective on that hannah i think it's going to feel a lot like gbo it'll be interesting to see what the accommodations are it'll be interesting to see how many people play because there's a ratings cap of 10 15 in the open division and then there's like three invitations for people outside of that, I guess, per event. Um, That's funny. I didn't even know about distancing. the ratings cap. Actually, I just yeah. So you're not going to be a lot of things. That <laughs> yeah, exactly. I definitely will not. I don't want to play there because of the wind. So okay. But so, wait. So yeah. the other thing that I will say is the reasoning that I uh, heard today on this other podcast that I will not name um, <laughs> is that. Uh, the reason why they added these is because people are going to travel anyway. And Paul and I were talking about this earlier. People are going to travel regardless. Yes. Like people mm -hmm. are going to create their own version of a tour regardless because yep. they already are, now, are right. Uh, states are now opening up and things are happening. So the pro tour, the difference is, and what makes it difficult and why the pro tour is like, okay, we got to hurry up and, and figure this out um, is because when you're having a tournament, you're not thinking about the fact that like, some states you're not allowed to travel through. Or if you travel to a state from a certain place, like if you travel to New York right now, you have to be in like quarantine for two weeks before you're technically allowed to go anywhere. Yep. And same thing for a lot of states. I think it's like Illinois or something random like that, that um, you can't even drive through it if you're like not from there. Because um, there is a possibility that you could stop at a gas station or stop at a store mm -hmm. and then infect people if like you have it or something. And um, tournaments that are just randomly being put on aren't thinking about that because they don't have any, they don't have any need to think about that. You know, they're just approved and they're going to happen because they're not part of a tour or anything. And so Jeff and the pro tour have to think about all of these things. They have to think about what events they're going to have, where they're going to be, what events are going to be popular that we can help, you know, make even better. And I think that's kind of where they were coming from as far as allowing certain events that didn't necessarily go through the uh, yeah. Silver Series. Yeah. That wasn't... Because they were like, we need to... People are going to be going there anyway, and that might affect them when they come back to a pro tour, if that makes sense. Because totally. people are going to be, like, tested. You're going to have to give an account of like where you're staying, who you're staying, like who you're traveling with. Yeah. And then if somebody's infected or has symptoms that can like affect your, For sure. you know, ability to play in the tournament. So I think that's like where he was coming from, but it's going to be really interesting. I feel like, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be different. Right. And different in this sense. So let me just kind of touch on some of the details here. 
Um, so first of all, there are going to be, and this is incredible. It feels like we stalled, you know, right after the beginning at Waco with the disc golf pro tour, I was out at Las Vegas challenge. And then the disc golf pro tour came in Waco and then it all just halted. But what's amazing is with these addition of these two events is there's still going to be the full 11 events like total. That's cool. Um, so they have three phases that they rolled out. Let me just read these and then we can see if we have anything else to say and then we can move on from this topic. But phase one, they're, they're prohibiting spectators. Um, that's going to be unique. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's do a 30 second sidebar here. Hannah, I mean, Nick, you've also competed, but yep. Hannah's been there a lot. And so have you, I'll give both. No, of you. I was only at one. Okay. But I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you that. Both of you have that experience, whether you are walking with Paul or you're competing on a feature card, like Nick had the privilege to do there. Um, what in, in one sentence or two, like, what do you think Nick is going to be the difference, like not having spectators on the yep. course. And wait, you were actually there at Waco. Yeah. So, so I, I, I caddied on the feature card, did not play on the feature card. Was not that good. I caddied for Brody. No, but you no, have, no, yeah, you years. have played on a feature yeah, card. Before I played on a live card. with spectators. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so Waco actually, after the first day, there were a ton of spectators for the first round feature card and just a ton of spectators in general. Um, and it was super awesome. Everyone was loud. Everyone was excited to see kind of Brody make his debut in the sport. Everyone loved seeing Paul, Kale, and Drew were on the feature card as well. And then after round one, that night, everything with COVID-19 was really kicking into high gear. And so then we were told, hey, there's going to be no spectators tomorrow. So what the Pro Tour did was there's a couple different entrances you can get into the um, Brazos East Park. They, the Pro Tour had volunteers stopping people from coming in because they wanted no spectators allowed. So the only people that were watching kind of the finish of the tournament were players and their caddies, you know, that was pretty much it. And, you know, people running the event. So it's awkward. I will say that it's very awkward kind of even watching a tournament without spectators there, you know, someone mm -hmm. will make a huge putt. Like Colton was murdering it on the back nine. And it's like the only three people that are potentially clapping are the ones on his card, which is a super bummer because of how incredible he played, but it's, it's awkward. It's definitely, but it's a safe thing to do. Yeah. So, um, Hannah, do you have anything different to add to that? Like what, what's it going to be like without spectators or even in the few moments since you've, you've heard all this today, has Paul said anything about that? <laughs> Here I go back to asking about Paul, like, what's your perspective? <laughs> what's your perspective? But I mean, like, have you guys talked about that? Like, what do you think the differences are going to be? I uh, just really quiet. Kind of what Nick Carl said, like a little bit awkward. I, um, yeah, I was going to say I interviewed, it was kind of random. It was kind of like a FaceTime that I went live on my Facebook last year with Paul. And I said, Paul, like, what do you want there to be like thousands of people? Like, do you want it to be like traditional golf is or was like where thousands of people were like circled him? And he's like, I think that's actually what I would like. Uh, like, so, yeah. Yeah. So is that how you feel too? Like, would you like to have people following or would you rather have nobody following? Uh, well, it doesn't bother me either way. Cause when I walk with Paul, there's like thousands of people following. And when I play, there's no one. So I'm pretty used to both. <laughs> hey, I totally know what you mean. <laughs> so, um, it so, doesn't bother me like to have oh. cameras or be on film or to like not. But the one thing I will say is if you guys have been keeping up with UFC at all, mm -hmm. they don't have anyone watching their fights. And so if you tune in live, it is dead silent and it's it is so super weird. You can, like, hear the hits mm, happening yeah. and i just i think it's going to be an adjustment for a lot of our pros i think um they'll adjust relatively quickly but 
it is going to be strange. I think, and I think it's going to be hard for the people who's, I mean, picture like, I can just think a couple of years ago, like if Paige was coming to Maple Hill and I had to watch live when she's like 30 minutes from my house and I can't go visit or say hi, or like, you know, that stinks. Like mm-hmm. that's awful. You don't want that to happen. Like no, you want to be able to go get your, get an autograph or get a picture. And it's like, that's really tough. So I think it's going to be hard for the communities too. Yeah. And kind of like what Matt was saying earlier, um, I won the AM side for the MVP open a couple of years ago. And so the first Brag. round, yeah, I kind of bagged it. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so the first round I played with Paul, Chris and Ricky, and obviously those are three of the greatest players, you know, in the sport at the moment. And so we had, we had a crowd and then there's me who was like 950 rated at the time. And the coolest thing was that tournament is local to me. All of my favorite friends were kind of around. You were there. Paul was there. Who's a really good friend of mine, obviously. And just going out and competing and throwing that first shot over hole one, getting it over the water and people cheering for you. It's such a fun atmosphere that I was like, dude, I like, I would love this all the time. And so that was a huge motivator for me. And, um, so I can't imagine what it's like to be a pro who has that all the time. And then all of a sudden just flip the switch. No spectators allowed that point you just made, Nick is what we'll leave it on because that's actually the question. Like it's, who's it going to be most different for mm-hmm. It's going to be for the pros who are most popular and are used to this because I was just thinking, I experienced this every single tournament. That's what Hannah was just saying. Like, yeah we know what it's like to not have spectators. So really we could be asking ourselves, what is it going to be like? But the (laughs) real, the real question was like, what's the difference going to be? And I think the difference for the top pros who are used to it, it's going to feel like maybe, I don't know. Cause I feel like even if Paul or Ricky or Simon were on like card number eight or 10 or 12 of the day, like people still do follow. So I was going to say like, pretend you're not on the lead card, but if you're a, a well-known, respected disc golfer, you're going to have fans following regardless. So one one quick note on that. I think it'll especially be kind of weird for people that are watching Jomez because when I'm casually watching disc golf at my house, you know, say I'm cleaning my room and I got disc golf on, I'm not really paying attention to what's happening. Room. Please don't lie to the people. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate My mom will comment soon saying the same thing. Uh, anyways. I know. Yeah. So um, like when I'm casually have it watching on TV – all of a sudden someone will hit like a huge putt or someone gets an ace or whatever. And then you can hear the crowd go bananas. Now, when we watch that, you're not going to hear anything. You're just going to hear, you know, potentially the big sexy commentary saying, Oh my gosh, what an incredible wow. shot. And then you're like, yeah. I'm not as excited Are to watch it now. You it's, yeah. Kidding me? Like they have to turn down their bikes all the time and like just absolutely <laughs> yell or Joe Mess is going to come out with the crowd applause thing. Like you see in those yeah. shows. But so one other thing real quick, uh, U-Disc. Are they going to have a U-Disc volunteer? So that actually leads me into, I, if Matt, you're watching, um, I'm going to be reaching out to you soon. I was thinking about actually having them on next week. We'll see if that happens. I don't want to tease it out there if it's not going to happen. But we do want to have U-Disc to talk about some of this with the rollout. I expect that they're going to want to do live scoring, but I have a feeling, and I could be wrong, and I don't need your opinion on this, they're going to have a pro do it. Yeah. So a, a pro player. Yeah. And that's my, that's my opinion. I don't know what will go down with that. That's a topic for another time. But so a few other things in phase one, besides no spectators. And by the way, we don't know when phase one is up. I think they kind of, he said something about like uh, the Jeff Spring CEO uh, tour director said that something about like, Hey, when the state allows like 50 or 
like up mm -hmm. to 50 people, then maybe we'll get into phase two. So anyways, that no spectators is phase one. That could end technically per, for that state, like by the time the events open, it could. So that we don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but social distancing, which means keeping six feet away, I feel like that's very easy, especially one of their things is they're limiting to three people on a card. Um, so they're going to sanitize common services. And then they are, this is really interesting. How did you interpret this? If I read this out loud, this is a direct quote from their website. I was kind of confused at first. Here it goes. Additionally, the DGPT will provide optional testing to all players. Now they're talking in my understanding there of like uh, temperature testing. That's my understanding. I don't know if they're doing swabs to actually see if you have COVID or not. But the point is, they said the DGPT will provide optional testing to all players, which will be mandatory for event participation if players show any symptoms of COVID-19 or have come in contact with anyone in the virus. So just reading it out loud there, mm -hmm. I actually maybe understand a little better. What I hear that, tell me if you agree, they're saying optional upfront anybody who wants to be tested we're going to let that happen if anybody's showing signs of like coughing or you feel heat or whatever you know you have a temperature like now if you want to play the event like it's mandatory we have to prove that you are not sick that's what it sounds like to me mm -hmm. okay yeah that's what i heard too yeah okay. I'd, I'd agree with that okay it, it was just confusing to me at first because it was like hey it's optional but then when I just reread <laughs> yeah. it, it says it's optional, but man, it doesn't say, but, but it's mandatory if you show signs. Okay. And then finally, uh, I would imagine they're going to, like I said, maybe temperature. What's that like before you get to your tea time, like a touchless thermometer, like yeah, right. being like, you're Men good to black, go. Like shine the red light. <laughs> we don't know. But then phase two, it's just the changes are going to be like, again, spectators will be limited, but allowed in phase two. And then the group yeah. sizes of tea cards or tea times would be four instead of the three and then phase three the limits on spectators they say are relaxed they didn't say like removed but it's probably going to be way more relaxed and then finally uh they say standard event protocols restored that they said wasn't going to be until maybe like i don't want to say until a vaccine's out but they were saying like maybe the rest of this year we won't get to phase three so it might not be normal this year <laughs> okay um and Hannah, you're going to obviously have to chime in on some of this stuff here because you were out there at Waco, but we're going to transition oh, this over. Uh, we're going to transition this over to Nick. And I want to ask a few questions here to Nick because we said we were going to talk about what is it like caddying for Brody Smith? Now, Hannah, you were just hanging out with Brody. So you know him, again, in a different way than I do. He's a person and a friend to you. I only, I literally only know him as the internet phenom frisbee thrower i've watched him on i don't remember if it was like fear factor but it was something like that i watched him on the amazing race i mean like to me that's who he is i obviously can separate and understand because i've met other people and said oh they're a normal person like i understand that about him but i've never met him in that capacity nick when did you meet brody smith the day that i got into dallas paul picked me up from the airport we went straight to the course where Waco's at, Brazos East, and um, did a little stretching. And like 10 minutes later, Jeff Corns, Adam Hammis, Chandler Fry had showed up. And then a couple minutes after that, we were planning on doing a practice round with Brody. So that technically was the first time I met him was the day that I got down to Texas. Did you do your research on Brody? Like, hey, like, 
did you know who he was? Like I was just yeah. describing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually mostly watched him. I'd seen him in do, uh, Dude Perfect videos before. Obviously, his Frisbee golf, or uh, excuse me, his Frisbee trick shot videos. He did one a couple years back with Avery Jenkins and Simon Lazat, which was a super cool video to watch. And what's funny is I actually had never met Simon before I watched that video. So that was pretty cool too. And um, and then through his golfing vlogs, actually, you know, I like playing a casual round of regular ball golf every so often. And so it was cool to see Brody, who's a fun personality, also do golfing vlogs because that was oh, two things that I liked. I love watching vlogs. So let me ask this question and Hannah can answer too. The first time you met Brody, and I haven't met him in person, but I have seen pictures. Is he like really tall compared to the average human? Yeah. I think he's what? Probably 6'4", Hannah? He's taller than my yeah, dad. Like and I look far up to my dad. So standing next to Brody was like looking way up. He's probably six six four, six five. Okay, so he was tall. I was just yeah. I was just curious. Your first experience. Um did it get freaky the very first time you met him? Yeah, I actually I think we we were starting out in hole one and Paul had thrown a hyzer and Brody was like, So you really gotta get freaky with that. And so I asked him, I was like, dude, where did that come from? <laughs> and I think he had explained that it was from when they did the filming of the in the bag video where Paul and Brody were going through the disc drive factory picking out discs for him. And I think he had kind of like jokingly around said, you know, oh, so this disc gets freaky. It, it's something on the lines of that. I'm not sure if that's, you know, exact, but that's how the get freaky thing came into be. And yeah, that whole round, that whole round, it was a lot of get freaky. <laughs> so especially anytime he throws a zone, it's like now that he has the get freaky zones out now, but before even at Waco, um, he was always like, oh, I mean, I, this, this zone's about to get freaky or something like that. So, mm -hmm. like, he has millions of followers, and that honestly dwarves even the greatest social media people in disc golf, okay? So, like, I don't know. Last I checked, Paul, it was like, I'm just going to average him around 100,000, like, on one of his social media accounts. Like, Brody yeah. on one of his is like, what, one and a half million? I don't even I think, know. I think on YouTube, it's... <laughs> over 2 million subscribers. So he's used yeah. to people obviously talking about him too. And I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure he's come a long way and just whatever, like doesn't, doesn't care very much what people say, but like some people are, will be like, Oh, the guy is super annoying to play with. It's so loud. Blah, blah, blah. And guess what? I've had people say that about me and now I'm running a podcast. Cause I talk a lot. I've, uh, I, I'm on a card and like, I've tried to learn etiquette and all that. And I think I'm pretty good, but like, People all have their preferences. I would love to play around with Brody. And honestly, it would probably get out. Of, it would get freaky because we'd be egging each other on to no end. So I appreciate him uh, getting into the sport and just having like the mindset to be like, I'm going to do something that I've never done before. And I'm going to try to do it the best I can. It's kind of funny. He is a super loud person. Like Paul and I always made a joke that we are going to have to buy him headphones because Brody and I being in the same room as him, we're pretty much going to be yelling at each other in a fun way. And Paul's going to be sitting there and Paul's pretty quiet. We're going to be sitting there and Paul's going to be like, oh my gosh, who the heck am I hanging out with right now? But um, in, in one of Brody's vlogs, his wife, Kelsey, had said, you know, you seem kind of like quieter now. And I noticed that when we were playing our first round at Waco during practice, um, because he's a student of the game right now. Like he's really learning it. He's learning what all, all the discs do and everything like that. And he has kind of toned it down.
But if he does something, if he gets freaky with a disc, he's loud, he's explosive. It's it's very, very entertaining. Surprise everybody. Yeah, we've so got we've got Brody quick, in the green I, room. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. He's not here. Okay, go ahead, Anna. Okay. Sorry you lost me there. I was just listening to you guys, but now I have some things to say about what you were saying. Um, first of all, that you saying that you would love to play around with Brody, I feel like you would be surprised as to how quiet he is when he plays disc golf. Exactly. But I, like him and Paul are very like that. Like they don't like to chat, but there are some pros out there that if you just like chat with them and if you like talk about what's going on and you like bounce things back and forth, that loosens them up and they play better loose than like tight and focused. And I'm like that. Um, yes. I can play either at this point. Cause I've been in like a ton of different situations and I've had Paul caddy for me. Who's like very like laser focused. And then I've had other people caddy for me who are, uh, like Chris from, um, he does like Eagles wings and he does, um, the La Nina open and he does like, he built like my training basket and yes. stuff. He's so awesome. And he will Isn't just chit chat with me. El, shout out to El Guapo baskets, I think. Right. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Oh, and then Nick okay. Carl will, I feel very comfortable having him on my bag as well because he will talk to me about what's going on with like other competitors, but it kind of goes back to that thing where you were talking to Nick Carl about caddying for Brody, because it can be really intimidating if you don't know what your person wants or mm -hmm. you don't have like that chemistry, like you can be really good friends, but if you don't have chemistry on the bag, like I really don't like caddying for Paul because I don't, I'm more of like, vocal and i'm more like have you thought about like what are you throwing here like well why and he and he will answer me and stuff but like he'd rather me not like he'd rather have like Jonas or someone who's yep. gonna be like super drilled in like no don't throw that because in practice you threw this and it was too understable and there's like a slight headwind and, and we'll like read the green with him and um yeah so it's really that can be intimidating so i can't imagine like caddying for brody and just being like okay like yeah. i don't know you but here we go so that that it's actually really cool because i actually i wanted to ask you about Jonas. um one of the topics that we had was talking about the chemistry and the relationship between a caddy and a disc golfer and i was saying this mm -hmm. actually in the underground interview that i did um i think that it should be like golf where that caddy studies the course studies the player and really actually helps yep. them out. And Paul has used Jonas for, is that how you pronounce it? Just want to make sure mm -hmm. I'm saying it correct. He was, he's used Jonas for all five of his European open wins. And their relationship is kind of, I think the top level chemistry between caddy and player. Um, when I caddied for Brody, I spent that week obviously preparing for the tournament myself, but part of what I was doing as well, because we played every practice round with Brody was learning Brody's bag, learning his shots, because I hadn't seen him play disc golf too much. He only had a few videos out at that point. He was still learning. But I wanted to say, okay, what's he throw this zone like? Or what mid-ranges does he, does he like? Because I like buzzes. Brody enjoys meteors and buzzes, but he enjoys mm -hmm. meteors. Um, he throws, he crushes a glow nuke SS. I've never thrown one before. So I had to see kind of how he threw it to where, okay, you're really only going to throw that on hole 16 at Brazos. And so you were talking about the intimidation factor of it. The only thing that was intimidating, I think, was asking Brody saying, hey, dude, I am more than happy to caddy for you if you want to caddy. I was like, I'm going to tee off way before yeah. you guys. Yeah. I don't care about that. Like, Pause for a second. Yep. 
because we did get off. We we're talking all caddy stuff, and that's what I wanted to do. How did that go down again? Where, like, how did you become the caddy for for Brody? You just said it, but I don't want to just glance did, over it. So you you show you just up out like of the airport. Ask him? You no, wait. it was like I think we had kind of like casually talked about it. I know one of the things um, Jeff Corns was with us a ton uh, practicing. Him and Brody have this like hardcore rivalry between each other and they were talking about it it looked sorry it looked like i just rolled my eyes when you said jeff corns but there was like dust in my oh. eyes so i'm just struggling but jeff's, sorry, jeff's jeff. in the comments pretty ticked off right now that he saw you i'm just kidding um so no they have this kind of like unspoken or i should say very well-spoken rivalry between each other and um all fun and games obviously but jeff had talked about him potentially caddying for brody and then Brody and I had talked about me caddying for him. I, I forget how exactly it came up. It's weird, but when like, you caddy for yeah. Brody, you don't know how you did, but you just no. I, did. I just more it was it was you know pretty casual and just saying like, hey, dude, I'm more than happy to caddy for you if you want one. Um, if you don't, that's all up to you. I just knew that he had obviously used caddies before playing golf and playing golf tournaments. So I was like, I feel like I'm. I I, I love that relationship between a caddy and a disc golfer, and so I wanted to make sure that. Yeah, it was fun. Don't get me wrong, but I did want to take it super seriously. And like, I really wanted to learn his whole bag. I wanted to learn how he played and kind of like his yeah, attitude you towards. Have, you have to. Yeah. And like Hannah said, you have to. He is quiet when you do play around to disc golf. And so I wanted to make yep. sure that when we were playing, I wasn't at all kind of like being distracting. And it, it was cool. It did casually come up and then. Honestly, I, I think it went super well. He said the same thing. He loved it. He asked me in his vlog, what was it like caddying for me? I was like, dude, it was super fun. It's I liked caddying for him more than I liked caddying for Paul. I love caddying for Paul. Don't, don't get me wrong. But with Paul. You felt like you were just like more compatible with him. Exactly. I was more compatible in the sense yeah. that Brody and I can talk about the shot. And it's like, hey, you have two different yeah. options. You can go flick or you can go hyzer. Paul, on the yeah. other hand, is the number one player in the world. And so a 990 rated guy giving him advice is more so as in like, I'll say that to him only to hear his thought process because I want to learn it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but with Brody, it was, I didn't want to say too much and kind of like overpressure him or anything like that. But it was cool because we did talk about every single shot. We talked about, you know, hey, dude going up to this putt on hole three, like it's a massive headwind. It's an elevated basket. What are you thinking? He's like, Oh dude, I'm laying it up all day. And I was like, yeah, I love that call that you just made. Cause I didn't have to say that to him. Cause I didn't want to step on his toes and have him be like, Oh, what? You don't think I could make that putt? No, that's not it at all. But like the smarter decision obviously was to lay it up. And, um, it, yeah, it, it was super fun. I thought there was good chemistry there. And next time we're both at the same tournament, I would love to do it again. So, that makes me kind of jump back here just a little bit because I glanced over this. I don't know how, but the disc golf pro tour said no caddies allowed until phase three. Mm -hmm. So Nick, if you're, if you're able to make oh, it yeah, to that's an a good event, point. Yeah. If all the phases going on. So right, what's right. going to be very interesting has Brody. Now he's done non-competition without a caddy. Obviously we see that in his vlogs. Has Brody mm -hmm. ever done a competitive round? Did he do? Did he not have a caddy in the final rounds? So the second round at Waco, he did not have a caddy. Okay. So he did compete that round. Oh, okay. But he did say he was like, it was, 
I, I'm pretty sure he said this. He was like, it was more enjoyable having you on the bag because we could talk about it. He's like, it, it was just more comfortable because he had played golf tournaments before. He played so many rounds of golf where, you know, you're either driving with a cart to where the cart is pretty much your caddy, you know, besides for talking about everything, but you're not carrying your own bag. And so I think he did say that it was nicer to have a caddy at that time. I don't know if he had a caddy when you guys did the <laughs> the um the Huntington Beach League. I don't know if one of you guys caddied for him, if Paul or Jeff or we anything. Were all, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he carried his own. Uh, I think Jeff caddied for him for a little bit, but he pretty much like it was whoever like yeah we yeah. all walked with him, so we were all bouncing ideas. But I don't remember yep. who necessarily carried his bag. If, but I don't really remember that being a big deal. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you so if you're watching us live or you're listening post here on a podcast, you can either send us a message, reach out to us. We're interested in feedback. Do you like to have a caddy or do you not like caddies? I mean, I've caddied for Hannah before, and honestly, you can change your mind. But she's like, hey, we work together well. I've caddied for you. I caddied yes. for you at Vibram, and you were like, "Wow, this was so helpful." Because I had been like traveling and yes. helped, like seeing Paul compete and Nate, and they had been teaching me things. And I remember it was one of like it was whole nine, I think, yes, at Maple Hill, was, and you had I, to I like throw it. An, yeah, and you had to throw like an Anheuser or something, and I was like, "You were like, well, what should I do? Should I do this or that?" And I was like, "Well, what's the highest percentage of success?" And you were like. <laughs> Wow. But then, yeah. but then, let me also say this: I threw the shot, and you said something to me like, "You you didn't follow through or something." <laughs> like you were able yeah, to like tell me, like, but no, but I actually like that too. I need real time feedback because I can't tell yeah. unless you watch a video. So, anyways, the question is again: like, do you like caddies? Do you not like caddies? I've caddied for people. I've had people caddy for me, Hannah. It was appreciated when you did it. I've also had somebody caddy for me in a final round of a big am event. And I feel like it threw me totally off. Was it because of the caddy person or was it because I'm not used to having a caddy? Those are all considerations. And I know some pros feel either way about that. Um, but you, intra- cad- you caddied for me last year, the last round at the MVP open and you've caddied for me multiple times, which has been super awesome during like the am events. And then last year, a couple rounds, and I love it because you know my bag. We can talk about the shots. Obviously, we've played so many rounds together that there's just that comfort of, you know, we can bounce ideas off of each other. And ultimately, obviously, it does come down to the player's decision. But it's nice to have the input of the caddy and saying, what's the highest percentage? A good caddy, and I'm maybe I'm not, maybe I am. Nick says I was good. A good caddy knows the player's game. Like, it sounds weird, but like I have to take on the mindset of Nick Carl when I'm caddying for him. Because if I step up to hole 14 gold at Maple Hill, my mindset is very different for my game than it is for his. Like I know what Nick can do and shout out to Nick. He's aced that hole before, but like I know what he can do. So when we step up to that, instead of me going like, hey, like what are you going to do? Like throw safe here, you know, over there. Like I'm like, no, Nick, just put it in the basket. Like I know his game. I know how to give him confidence, hopefully, and pump him up and tell him what to do. I think that's an important part. And there's a lot to talk about um, with with obviously caddies, but um this show is obviously going quite a while and I think we're talking about a lot of awesome things. And so there's no way me saying it's been going a while and we shouldn't do it. Yeah. I just have an inside joke really quick between Hannah, Casey white and myself. It was your birthday not too long ago, Hannah and Casey just wrote, yo HBD. (laughs) So 
Yeah. So that's for our live viewers right now. If you want to jump in live Thursday nights at seven o'clock Eastern standard or seven the till whenever. Show. We don't yeah, know. seven till whenever, but we're reading the chat boards there. So Casey white, who you will see in Simon Lazat vlogs as of late, uh, giving a shout out to, I guess, Hannah. Is that what that is? Yeah. It's inside kind of an joke? inside joke. We always used to say like for someone's birthday, it was always yo HBD, like just so <laughs> kind of like nonchalant HBD. Okay. And so I don't know why that's, I don't even know where it came from, to be honest. I, Casey probably remembers it, but okay. uh, now he's laughing. So good, good. Anyways, Glad he's Casey? laughing. Casey, way to crash the show. So w this is our final topic before we get into the game. And some people stick around for the game. Some people don't. It's going to be fun. But one of the last topics, and we don't have to talk for a long time about this, but here's the question. I'm going to give you a very big hypothetical. I want you to play along with me in this mind, um, mind stretch, this mind practice, whatever you want to call it, this thought game, whatever. If disc golf were to be like restricted unless you paid a certain amount of money to play. So like, let's say everything went to greens fees. Okay. Every course went private. At what point would the greens fee be too high? And they all have to raise at the same level. Okay. So every course raises at the same level of greens fee. So let's say it starts at $5 every course in the world. Do you still play disc golf? Some people probably say, no, like, I like, it's not worth it to me. Like $5. Yeah. So I had this conversation to me. Yes. $5. Yeah, I had this conversation <laughs> with casual buddies of mine who I was actually, you know, a couple of them who are, I was playing with today. And we talked about, I asked them this same exact question. Can I get some insight to it? But, um, they said in order to kind of raise the Maple Hill last year during the summertime, went to $20 per day on the weekends for non-members. That's a lot of money. Maple Hill is one of the best courses in the world, especially the gold layout. So what is the most someone would pay for that? And I think one of the things that we mainly decided, kind of what our decision was, it would have to be like that country club feeling as in, you know, I've played rounds of golf before at country clubs where if you play a round of golf at a certain time, they give you a lunch pass and you can get a free drink with it. So that's potentially a $10 lunch with say a $4 beer. Your cart is included in the price. And so I think I would have to go to an incredible disc golf course. Food would have to be included for, you know, just a lunch, stuff like that. And then yeah. with the potential to have more appetizers, more food after that. But I, I love that country club feeling, you know, there's a driving range, there's a course, local pro to help people out. There's, you know, lessons every Thursday night or something like that. Like there would have to be offered a lot for me to want to pay more okay. than a certain amount. Okay, real quick, and then I, I want I, Yeah, go ahead, Hannah. Go ahead. Because you're paying for an experience. Exactly. You want to have, so you want to have an experience. Yes. So if people I'm gonna who go are just going to, to practice a couple shots or to learn a new disc or to test something out and who don't necessarily want that huge mm -hmm. experience, um, you know. But so I think that's where course. Be as interested. Exactly. But I think that's where memberships at your local course come into play. Like, I'm a member at Maple Hill. The price of it is so beyond worth it because I live five minutes away for me to get that membership every single year. And I'm fortunate enough and blessed enough to actually have Maple Hill so close that, you know, when I do want to go out and practice Maple Golds, I can just set up my tea time, play at eight o'clock in the morning whenever I want to. But if I was to go, like one of my things I said was, I it was a dream of mine to go out and check out Yarva Disc Golf Course. I would happily pay $100 to so go this, play one round at Yarbo. Okay, so this is the game. 
I want to come back to the topic of like pay to play courses in general, like in our current situation. But I also want to play this little mind game, which which again, so five dollars if every course charged five dollars, so you had no option to play a free course is my point. Mm-hmm. Okay, my hand is raised, $5, $10, $20. And like at this point, if that's the only option, I still like disc golf and there's no course that's less than $20. I'm still playing probably regardless for every round. I think for me, the experience would have to go up to continue to pay more than $20. That's yep. just my opinion. But yep. if disc golf, flat fee, $20 just to play around, no experience, I'd probably still do 20 personally because I like the game. Um, I have a question. Yeah. If you're touring and you're going to practice for our situation, we would normally be on tour right now. Mm -hmm. And so for our situation, we're not playing the same courses every weekend where we would want to get a membership to all of those places. One of the things that has always irritated me is um, paying greens fees to practice for an event. Yes, I 1000% agree with you. For an event that I already paid to be a part of. Yeah, potentially over $200 it's for that event. always thrown me off. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. I, and I guess I would just ask this question because I'm not a touring player. And Nick's has toured a little bit. And you obviously do all the time, Hannah. How uh, Percentage-wise, percentage-wise, if you just had to off the top of your head, how often does that happen? Percentage. Every private course. Yeah, every pay-to-play really? course. I and feel like that's park. happening. They're yeah. charging yeah. you so to parks, do a practice for them. There's a park in Michigan. So the park in Michigan where the toboggan is, you have to buy a park membership. It's a, like for a park the league. membership. Like, or Isn't it like a parking pass as well? It, yeah, it's like the yeah. same thing. I get – okay, so we're getting off topic. It's fine. But the the professional scene, well, the, no, players, the, players, know, the players, the like, players themselves should how, not um, – Go ahead, Hannah. I want to know if in your simulation, like, would I still have to pay? No, I think for that, my answer of that is I think (laughs) from the Sunday you guys arrive to the Sunday you guys leave, if you are a touring professional, like you have a card that says, hi, I'm Hannah McBeth. I play on the pro tour. Yeah. You deserve. You have a card. It's right here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You deserve to play that course for free. I, the public park of Michigan, that's a different story. That's hard because that's. Um, or private park. I don't know what you would call it, but say we were to yeah. go say Maple Hill, that's no, a pay so, to play course. Wait. So if that's the case, if I have to, if the tournament, if like the mandatory tournaments and courses that were okay, if the mandatory courses that I had to play, cause I have to compete on them were free. What would I pay to yeah. play or any an average okay. round okay so let me at, in my simulation like, okay. yeah in my now simulation in, in one <laughs> thing i w- might have gone broke and in the other thing yes now maybe I okay can beat myself I, and go play like around somewhere I, I love these mind like practice games thing here but i got to be more specific let me make it more simple we're not touring okay. pro- we're not touring professionals nobody's competing we just play the game of disc golf for fun okay so like okay. You, you just enjoy disc golf and you can only pay. Um, we have people ch- chat, uh, chatting here live about Maple Hill saying, Maple Hill, you don't have to pay to do your practice round or whatever. But but my point is this. If you're not a comp- competitor and you're the average disc golfer, you love the game, you wake up on Saturday morning, every course is charging $20. Do you play? And yes. It, like – I'm not even criteria of what the experience would be. Yes, for me too. Like I'm just like, hey, that's what it costs to play disc golf. I so the game was like but at what I level play. 
I'm treating it differently. I'm not treating it like it's casual. I'm going to bring a bunch of people. I'm going to bring food. Yeah. I'm going to make, yes. you know, a day or an afternoon of it instead of like staring at, you know, Nick Carl and Paul and being like, I'm bored. Do you guys want to go play around down at the park? Like, yes, you know, for sure. Some people like to spend their time at the ocean and you have to pay to park your car and it costs more than 20 bucks for the day at most of these places. So like it, it's how you want to enjoy it. But I guess where's the number just for fun? Do you have a number in your head where you're like, that's too much? Like, I'm not playing disc golf anymore. For a casual round. Yes, for a casual round. Now, ball golf, traditional golf, for me to go play. Now, granted, you can get like after hour rates and all that stuff, but like it's Norm expensive. It's expensive. It's way more than golf. Now, we don't need to do the comparison, but my point is, what's the number? Do you have a number in your head? For me, I feel like it's probably, it's in that, like, I'd probably play $30. Like, I probably would. I don't think I would get... I, I don't know, every now and then maybe, but not every weekend. Like it would be $30. That's my number. What do you have, Nick? <laughs> yeah. I, cause I, I see where <laughs> Hannah's coming from with this I'm and I'm totally like, agreeing with it because like, I literally go out and play. Like, oh, we just stopped at the like same Maple time. Maple Hill. I know we keep doing that. Think about like Maple Hill. And you're like, once you've paid, you can play like reds, blues, golds. Like you can play all these different things, but then think about like, Buffenville, or for anybody who's not from Massachusetts, somewhere where it's just a public park own, owns it and it's normally free. So it's not necessarily a pro layout or it's not necessarily like par fours and par fives and like all yep. these different things going on. Like, Think but about because you where, said every court. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm so, saying I'm literally, I'm, I'm yeah. literally just, I guess what I'm trying to figure out here is like, and now this is where yeah, it all comes out completely different. But, this, yeah. but that's fine. Cause we talked about both and it kind of intermingles here. Yep. Like how much would you pay to play disc golf? And like, to me, that kind of gives me an idea about like what these elite courses, this is where I'm going back to. Mm -hmm. It gives me an idea about what these elite courses could or should charge for me. If I can play a free course or I can choose to play a course that's $40, I will do the, the $40 course every now and every then. Every so often. Yeah. Like I will pay it because they're going to have something the other courses don't. I was trying to eliminate the option to just go play a free course. That's yeah. why I did that. Because like, like in golf, they have par three courses. Those are your shorter ones. They still cost money. They're not as expensive, but kind of like what you're right. saying now. If I was to go to Europe and play the beast, I would happily play pay $50 because you go. that's the experience of it. Yarva, on the other hand, is one of the most beautiful looking courses in the world. And it would be a dream to play there. If I had one opportunity, only had to play one round there, I, I honestly would probably pay a hundred bucks there you just go. to say I've played Yarva disc golf course. hundred dollars. Anywhere else though, I've never looked at another course and said, yeah, I would totally pay that much. But like, that, I just, I really haven't. But that brings us right back to this. And I, I saw this in the show notes. Yes, we do have show notes. Yeah. Nick mentioned the idea that are we spoiled? No. I think that question is broken down into two sections. There's like 50 locals, sections of that. Yeah. <laughs> locals who live, and I'm just going to keep bringing up Maple Hill. Everybody knows it. It was rated number two in the world currently just based off of UDISC voting and all that. Um, but here's the deal. Locals to Maple Hill, I'm just going to say it right now. There's no way around it. We are ungrateful and spoiled. There are a few of us who probably get it. <laughs> yeah. And oh, that's yeah. also partly because we're from New England too. Like that's just who we are, ungrateful and yeah. spoiled. <laughs> but like here, like it, the, anybody else, we even see it coming in on the chat board. Like if you are from anywhere else in the country and you've never played Maple Hill right now, you're telling us like I would pay just like what Nick said. Like 
I would pay a hundred dollars to be able to play that course. Like mm-hmm. it, it's truly coming from who's talking and who do you want to listen to if you're Maple Hill? Now that's again, a huge conversation. Our show is running long, but do you have any yeah. final thoughts on this topic, Hannah? Of like tea, not, I not tea times, you... but like pay to play. Like you're, you're a pro golfer though. Like you're a pro golfer. So it's different. For no, no, you. listen, 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 listen. And not because I'm a pro golfer, but when I moved to Virginia, I moved away from pyramids and I moved away from Maple Hill and I moved away from like Marshall street disc golf and, and every course had a pro shop. So if I needed a new bag or a new putter or a new disc, or I wanted to go grab the newest thing, they had a pro shop. And I remember coming to the first practice at Liberty and, uh, being introduced to some guys on the team and they were online shopping during practice at Marshall street. Yeah. And I, I, like, I remember Why that. Are you guys shopping at Marshall street. That's like 12 hours away. What yeah. the heck is wrong with you? Like, why don't you go to your local shop? And they were like, <laughs> Oh, what the used section that played against sports. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, where's the disc golf shop? And they were all just like looking at me like you're an <laughs> idiot. Like not everybody <laughs> has a tournament that comes through their town at a really nice course with a pro layout that Paul McBeth, you know, says is like one of his favorite courses ever. And you can go buy his disc and play on his favorite course and, you know, for $10 on the week, on the week day. And, uh, I didn't realize like how good I had it till I moved. And now it's like, we have to build that. And that's what we're doing here is like, we're trying to build that in our area because that is one of the things that people that keeps people in the sport. And and that's exactly like what you were just saying. All the people I know that live here that play disc golf and are like super into it, they would play, they would pay a hundred dollars to play at Maple Hill. Mm-hmm. Maple Hill Gold? Are you kidding me? Like yeah. a pro layout? Because it's almost it's people almost a way to, of like, competing against the pros. That, come through that don't even have the pro layout in at the yeah. courses that they go to. Yep. Yeah. It, all of this is I hope this has stirred some thoughts in our listeners because honestly, like all of this is just, it, there's a lot to be had here. And I think the locals, again, are a determining factor in the negative voices, if you will, um, saying like, hey, prices, like depending on where you're from. Cause like, oh, yeah. Because like, I would pay to play, I don't know, I'll pick any course. It doesn't matter. Any course that I see on the pro tour, I would pay a significant amount of money if I traveled there to play it. Mm-hmm. Like, hands yeah. down. But the locals would and go. And sometimes you do. Like USCGC, the day after, you could you can pay and go yep. play. Yep. You can like reserve it so, time. And those are not cheap. I no. personally, this is just my little shout out without getting into every discussion point on it. I am in favor. Oh, of, we're getting into it. I'm we're in favor. Point. I got all <laughs> yeah. night. I don't I'm in favor. I'm in favor. And this is not voting right now, but of everything disc golf. And I might regret this later, but charging more. I think more money into the right places, like people who are putting their blood, sweat, and tears into the sport. And I'm giving shout-outs to TDs. I've done that for a while, giving shout-outs to all the vendors, um, the course owners, everybody. If we can elevate it in a lot of ways, I- I'm in favor of it. I know that's probably not popular for, again, regions even. Like regions close to Maple Hill, for instance, they would be like, are you kidding me? I like that's think, way too much. I think one of the things that would have to happen first is tea times. If mm-hmm. your course was so yep. overpopulated, that was last that week's topic. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to raise your prices because people were all coming at the same time and yes. you wanted to like have less people, but this make the same amount of money. Um, then that's one reason why you might raise prices. And then that will go into like having a nicer green and a nicer pro shop yes. and all over yep. a better yes. experience. 
but you don't have to have the same people coming through. And I think one thing that we're going to start seeing at hopefully our course eventually when it's in is tea times only. Mm-hmm. Like you have to call and if you're late, mm-hmm. Well, right, there okay. it goes. I'm, late a lot, so, but like, I'm a huge, a ad, I'm a huge advocate for tea times. I, I love that. I think it's super pro- professional and yeah, I'm there's people all on board with that. There's people who don't like it. And honestly, I think no matter what Maple Hill or not with the multiple courses on it, like tea times, I think are excellent. I do think raising prices for greens fees also do a similar thing. Hannah though, at like I'm not going to call them anything negative, but weeding out the riffraff, like if that's you, that's you. I don't know who you are. I'm not picking on anybody, but like if you're paying a higher price, it brings a, a higher clientele, like, okay. it, you, and, and you might also reduce yeah. the amount of people too. So like if you charged a hundred dollars, yeah. you might only get, you might only get 15 people a day to play the course, but like all of a sudden you made your $1,500. So like, I, I don't know. It's an interesting thought. Do they want to become no, more elite? I get what you're saying. It would be more of like, if you had a beginner course, like we have a beginner course in our yep. area. So it might cost like five to $10. But if you want to um, go play the but more. But if you wanted to go play like yeah. our course, it might cost you like 15 to $20 mm-hmm. and yep. you would only be doing it if you were really serious because the lines are going to be more challenging. It's going to be a pro layout. Um, yep. It's not going to be somewhere where you really go and like, necessarily learn um about your right. game at a beginner level yeah like you don't go and play maple golds to learn how to throw long shots because you'll spend <laughs> more do. money on the discs that you lost in the <laughs> water than you did spending money on your round like you, you don't go to maple you go that's why you, they have yeah. a pro shop dude yeah it's exactly. genius yeah. put pawns all over it's your course and have a pro shop yeah. Is so, this a pawn? That's why fit. I would pay one dollar to play Fountain Hills because <laughs> the first time I ever played there, I lost, I think, seven discs in the water. So Okay. So we're not yeah. digging on Fountain Hills. We no, love, no, no, we no, love no. I actually I thought it was a super fun course. <laughs> so this has been awesome conversation. And honestly, if we get to do this every week where we just have great conversations surrounding disc golf, like this is epic. We heard inside scoops. Inside therapy. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I was saying the earlier. Nick and Matt therapy show. <laughs> hey, it could be a thing. Featuring we could just start a new Adam Facebook McBeth. page. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I feel like that really gets us to the end of it, except we have a game to play and it's going to be fun. And I think we should go ahead and get it started here. So what I'm going to do. So did you? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So let me um, pull it up here, everybody. We're going to play the game. Judge that disc golf. Or I'll explain the rules in just a second. Judge That Disc Golfer, the game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. Here we go. All right, so, hey guys, uh, my name's Matt, and I just ran into you guys on the course today. I've never met you before. If I have it correctly, uh, what's your name in blue? Eric. Eric, what's your name in white? Brandon. Okay, do people confuse you often? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Why do they confuse you? I don't know, because we're twins. <laughs> Look just like Josh. Okay, so if you switch spots, I'll probably be really confused. Yeah, probably. Okay, so we have probably a guest on the show tonight, and we got my co-host, Nick. They're going to try to guess what you are answering for your answers, okay? So first off, I just got to give them a little bit of an idea about maybe some tips on who you are. So first of all, do either of you have a PDGA rating? No. Nope. No PDGA rating. Okay, so how long have you been playing disc golf for? Uh... About three or four years. Yeah, three or four, but seriously, probably a year about, so. Okay, so that's a good tip. You said seriously about a year or so. So that gets us to our first question here, and we'll ask both of you, but how far, and there's no right or wrong answer here, okay? 
whatever you say is going to be the answer. How far can you throw a disc? We'll start with Brandon. Okay. So, Hannah, this is your first time. I don't know, probably didn't see last week's because it was at the very end of the show, but here's how it works. Uh, we asked these two random players, which by the way, they're twins. I got to play a random round with them and I said, this is perfect. So I think one of them here is taller than the other because of where they're standing at basket 14, but they're very identical. Um, it was interesting and cool to play with them, but here's how it works. We asked them a question. And in this case, I asked both of them the same question. You're going against Nick Hanna. And the way it works is whoever's closest to the correct answer that they provide gets a point. Now, because they're twins, this is actually going to be easier for both Nick and Hannah because we're just going to count it as one. So like you're going to give one answer. And if either of them answer with that answer, then you'll get a point. So like if you guess how far and you say 100 feet and one of them says 100 feet, you get a point. OK, now by chance, if you yeah, we'll just go with one answer. You just give one answer. OK, and if either of them answer it, you get a point. So. All right, Hannah. First of all, their names, you might get it confused, but that's why we're giving you the chance to just give one answer. How far will one of them say they can throw? Uh, well, they both showed up in polos, which is pretty awesome. Ooh, I'm going to say 375. Okay, so do you remember how, how long they said they've been playing for? Uh, three to four years competitively. Brendan, I think, said he's been playing for one. Okay, I don't think he said competitively. I think he said or, uh, seriously. seriously. Yeah, seriously. okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, seriously. Okay, cool. So, all right, what do you got, Nick? Uh, she said 375, which is around what I was going to say. So I'm going to go with three. <laughs> I'm going to go 325. Okay, 300. So if your number, if they give a range, let's say, let's say they say like 350 to 400. Okay, then Hannah would obviously get a point there and not yeah. Nick. Okay, yeah, yeah. but if they if either of them, you might both be able to get a point if either of them answers it here. So here we go. Let's see what they have to say. Oh, man, on a good throw, maybe. Okay, they're going to give it 350, 400 rounds. Okay, so he said 350 or 400. So Hannah gets a point. That was from, I think Dang. his name was Brandon. Let's see, though. Nick, you still have a chance if the other guy answers Dang. here. Okay, so let's go over to Eric. Uh, I would say probably 350 would be max. Okay. Okay. So he says 350 Ooh. max. So guess who gets a point here? Hannah only. <laughs> right? You yeah. said 325. Yeah. Okay. So Hannah's one point up on the board for Hannah. Here we go into question two for the twins. 350 max. Okay. So um, how? just out of curiosity, how are you gauging that? Just based off of whole signs? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> That's about it. Okay. How about this? How many discs do you carry in your bag? Oh, man. I only have like 15 right now. Okay. Wait. And how about you? Oh, wait. Uh, wait a minute. My bag's pretty full. Uh, probably about 20 to 30. 20 to 30. All right. Let's do this. Go over and count. We're going to do a quick count on this. Okay. So go ahead. Let's come on over. We want to get, because they're going to guess a number and they're going to be like, that's too wide of a range. So just do a quick count. Okay. Where's, your, where's your bag? Both of you guys. I'm already getting mixed up who's who because they kind of swap places. <laughs> okay, so now we got Brandon over here. All right, Brandon, how, uh, how many discs? Okay, so here was the deal. Did you catch what they said? They both gave a number, but it was just a general answer. So I said, how many? And I think Brandon said 
15. He, say, he said like 15. Like 15. 15. And then and that's what Eric. I was say. Okay. That's why I got mad. I was like, oh, he definitely okay. has 15. But then discs. Eric, but then Eric said what? 20 to 30. Yeah. Okay. So they gave yeah. you an idea. It's not just a random shot in the dark here. So like any, you can pick any number you want and it applies for both of them. Like if either of them answers it. So what do you think, uh, Nick? Uh, I think that's a C-series grip bag, so I'm going to go with a solid 17. Okay, so 17 yeah. discs. Okay, so again, this I is going to be... I don't know if that's actually C-series. This I'm will be kidding. whoever is closest, by the way. Just a reminder of that. It's whoever is closest. So this could be tough because we have two people answering in the game. So Hannah, what do you think? Uh, for which brother? Okay, okay, yeah, Nick, let's do that Either real quick. Oh. Which brother were you picking? Let's do that for this one. Brendan or Brandon is the wearing white, white shirt. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so for him, that's what I guess. For. Okay, seventeen for the white shirt, Brandon. All right, Hannah, who do you guess? I'm gonna guess the blue shirt has twenty five discs. Okay, so he said twenty to thirty. You're guessing twenty five. Uh, Nick picked for Brandon, the other twin. He said 17. Let's hear their answers. Brandon is going to give his answer first. So this will be Nick's. Let's see if Nick gets it. Okay. Uh, 12. 12. Okay, 12 discs. So I was way off. So wait, you're only five off. Yeah. Okay, five off. All right, so he had 12. He thought he had 15. He says 12. Nick, you're five off. Let's Nick Carl, they only fit 12 to 15 discs. I was kidding. I didn't know if that was exactly a C-series <laughs> grip bag. I was only comparing it to Matt's great uh, camo one right there. Okay, but. just a reminder, if you're watching live, feel free to answer the questions. Yeah. It makes it really fun. So let's see, how close did Hannah get? He had guessed, or he said out loud 20 to 30. Hannah guessed what, 25? Okay, Yeah. here we go. Let's see what he answers. 23. 23. So that's way more specific. Oh. Okay. So Hannah gets another point, point two points, because you were only two off. That's some boodles. Okay. Here we go into question three. Places. All right. How many aces do you have in your history of disc golf? Let's start with Eric. Okay. So Eric, we ask first. Um, let's it's, yeah, let's do it this way from here on out. You pick the person that you think you want to guess. I was just for. about to say that it is Hannah's guess. Okay, first, it's though. Hannah's guess. Pick whichever of the twins you want and what they're going to answer. How many aces do they have? So if they're at Maple Hill, that means they probably have played Reds a lot because they haven't really been competing very seriously. And Reds is like that feel good course where you're like, I'm good at this. Yeah, and that's pretty aceable, but. I'm, there's not really any other courses in the area that I think have very aceable holes. So I'm going to have to go with, I think he has one. Okay. Which player? Uh, Oh, wasn't I answering for blue? Blue. Okay. Right, yeah. Blue. So that's, um, what was that's Eric. Eric? That's Eric. Yes. Thank you. I told them I'd confuse them. I hope they're watching right now. If you're watching comment live. Yeah. Um, so, okay. She says one. Okay. And for Eric and Nick, who do you pick and how many do you think? Well, I'm going to go, I'll go the opposite. I'll go with Brendan. And since he's been playing seriously this last year, I'm going to go with a solid three. Okay. Let's see what their answer answers are. Zero. <laughs> okay. So Eric answers zero. So Hannah, look, you're only off by one. Look at Brendan laughing. <laughs> you're watching us live. <laughs> Don't say zero, please. <laughs> His brother. 
his brother, his brother, Bran. Well, he's laughing at him, so there's no way that he has I don't know. Zero. I think he's laughing because everyone knows it's funny. Okay, that is funny. I don't know why. This is the first time I saw that, even though I was editing it. That was a perfect freeze frame. Here we go. Brandon, what is the answer? <laughs> okay, so your brother laughed at you. That's okay. All right, so how many aces do you have, Brandon? Brandon. I don't have any. Okay, zero. I knew it. I knew you would say zero. <laughs> because those courses where you guys are at are not very aceable. <laughs> so they both answered zero. So Pyramid Silvers <laughs> has so many aces. Hannah, available. you get. Yeah. Hannah, you got three points now because Nick was off by more than you. So three points. This is going to be a clean sweep. I think this is there, insane. There Am are six, quest There's six yeah. questions. So Nick needs to start winning. All right, here we go. Uh, the kid last week said zero two. <laughs> Low key ticked. And it made me laugh yeah, last week. Cause of the courses in your area, they're not like these little hundred foot courses. Well, if they counted pyramids, pinks, they would be aces. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So anyways, this is cracking me up. I love it. All right, here we go. Question number four. Aces. Yep. All right, this is Maple Hill. Um, how many times do you think you've played this course before? Five times, yeah. Okay. Do you guys always play together? Yeah, yeah. So if one's played it, the other's played it. Okay, so about Most five likely, times. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's your favorite hole here? And we're going to start with, I guess we'll go back to Eric. We'll keep it consistent. Uh, <clears throat> okay. So what's his favorite hole? Um I think we're starting with Nick. So yeah, who do you, I mean, you so, can pick your player and what you think they're going to answer. I'm 0 for 3 with Brendan right <laughs> no, now. No, let's do this. Let's change it back to the other rules because it makes sense for here. Pick a hole. If either of them answers it, we'll see what you're closest oh, okay. to. Okay. All right. I got you. I got you. Um, I, I got to go with the easy, the hole eight. Okay. That was the answer last week. Um, Hannah, what hole are either of them going to say? You can just throw one out, and if either of them say it, or if you're closest, that's fine. I'm trying to figure out like what layout they might be playing. I do you care if I give that insight? No, go for it. Okay, so he actually is going to give that. Let me just see here real quick. Uh, I would probably say. Okay, they say actually they're like we only play whites here. So okay, that's what I was gonna. That's what I thought. <laughs> okay, let me think. Um, it's been a while, Hannah, since you've been here. You got to count through the whole number. Right? Actually, one really cute fun fact about me is when I can't sleep, I play Maple Hill in my head. Oh, awesome! Oh. Nice. Isn't that so sad and also kind of cute? Anyway, <laughs> oh, it's sad. Um, okay. Okay, to our podcast listeners, if if we have this up, she's counting with her fingers. You have 30 seconds, Hannah. They're waiting. <laughs> I'm going to say hole... F Wait. I'm going to say hole five. Hole five. Okay, so honestly, okay. This, this is a good chance so for Nick to win because if it's over eight, like Nick gets it. You're talking about the hyzer, right, Hannah? It's a little... Yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure. Okay, so... Yeah, so you have a smaller margin to get a point here. Just, Anything over eight. For just Nick. for our viewers really quick who have not played Maple Hill, like Ken in the chat is asking, is White's the easiest? White's is the second easiest layout. Reds, it's not easy. Yeah, and it's not. It's still, it's a fun, challenging course, but Reds is the easiest. Gold's is the hardest. And then White's and Blue's are those two, like, you know, middle-level courses. Okay, let's see what they, let's see what, um, I think it's, we'll see who answers first here. 
Hold 12. Any specific color? Mm -hmm. uh, we only played white, so. Okay, so hold 12. That's a good hold. And Okay, so he answers hold 12. So right now, that would be that's Nick. That's the one at the very top, right? No, that's hold 11. So it's the one after. It's like a 420, 450-foot yeah. hyzer. Yeah. It's, it's a fun oh. hole. I, I don't know if he messed that up. I was yeah. kind of confused, too. Anyways, he likes hold 12. Hey, maybe he likes throwing hyzer Maybe he likes it. Um, all right. Let's see if you have a chance, Hannah, to split a point here. Depends what um, Brandon says. Here we go. How about you, Brandon? Okay, he's thinking. Right. I kind of like 18. Pretty fun. 18. 18. I knew it. I knew someone was going to say 18 because that's the last hole that you play before you get lunch. Yeah. So do you go 18, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5? Does she get that point? How are you doing that? Oh, no. We're not going to loop it back around the backside. Sorry. Right. I tried to help you, Hannah. Yeah, so Nick gets a point. So it's 3 to 1. So Nick's got a chance here, I think. All right, here we go. Next question. Okay, and then um, let's see here. Who is... Your favorite professional disc golfer. It can be anybody. <laughs> I'm not going to give you like criteria here. Week, anybody, a female, male, whoever, like favorite pro disc golfer. Let's start. We'll switch it up with Brandon. Okay. Oh, I keep losing my screen there. Um, who is there? Who, what are they going to answer for their favorite disc golfer? Um, it's open-ended in a lot of ways, but one of them's going to answer and the other's going to answer and you can be right with either of them. So we're going to let Hannah choose first. I'm going to say that. Okay. I'm going to have to edit this in post-production so sorry. that we don't have a long silent right. break. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying just to think. Kidding. It's either going to be Paul because he was carrying an Innova bag, and when he got into disc golf a couple of years ago, Paul was still with Innova, and he's like everyone's favorite player, besides those few haters. Anyways, um, or he's going to say no one, because he didn't really know that there was professional disc golf, because a lot of people play in that area, uh, and he doesn't have a PDGA number. So, so he's not playing events. Do you I'm going to say he doesn't have one. Do you want me to throw you off? Says that they don't have one. Do you want me to throw you off and tell you like what I saw in their bag? Or like not throw you off. Like no. do you okay, no tips. Okay. All right. She said you're so you're saying they don't one one of them's gonna answer they don't have one. Yeah, like they're gonna okay. they don't know. Okay. Oh. It's not a bad take here. Bold strategy. Yeah. Go um, ahead, Nick. Huh. I'm gonna go with the kind of like fan favorite as of late, Mr. Simon Lazat. Okay, that's oh, that's a safe move. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Nick's learning the game. He plays it every week. He goes Maple Hill hole eight. <laughs> it's Simon Lazar. Well, no, so whole, I didn't get hole eight last week though. I said like, no, I'm what saying did I you say? learned. Like, I'm yeah. saying you're oh, learning yeah. every week. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Go I ahead, think Hannah. I need to change my answer. I think I'm gonna go with my first answer that was Paul because they're also dressed really nice, and Paul fans <laughs> always tend to do that. Okay. And he had an end of the back. I think I'm just gonna go with Paul. All, All right. Here we go. Let's see what happens. If anything, that's a safe answer. Paul, but I'll go with Nate. He oh. said, Oh, come on. Oh, he said, doesn't count. <laughs> he said, for anybody who missed that, because Nick was talking through it, it was like, he goes, well, there's always Paul. And then he goes, but I'm going to say Nate, Nate Sexton. So Nate Sexton, wow. I was a little, yeah. sh not shocked, obviously. Nate's a very likable guy. But I was a little bit surprised out of the blue there. Here we, we go. We got to keep a tally every week yeah. on who we should start doing that. We'll do a graph and yeah. we can see who gets the most. Okay. So let's see, though. Hannah, you're still not out of it I here. I think he's posed. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's so proud of his answer. Oh, Brandon, we love you if you're watching. It was good playing with you. Okay, so you you could both still get a point, though, depending on what Eric says. So here, let's see what Eric's answer is. Nate Sexton. All right, awesome. How about you, Eric? Okay, he's thinking about it. Uh, Simon Lazat. Simon Lazat. All right, so Simon Lazat. So Nick gets a point. That's he now... said Nate Sexton because he watches Joe Mess coverage. Exactly. You didn't see the Joe Mess Pro pin on his bag? No. <laughs> okay, so three Nick to, has now just... Yeah, Nick has just got two in a row to Hannah's three, so it's going to come down to... I don't know if this is the last question. Let's see what it is here. I forget how many I did. All right. All right, so um, getting ready to wrap this up here. Um, this one you might have to think about just a little bit. Oh, geez. What is the craziest thing that you've seen happen on a disc golf course? That is a wide open question. What's the craziest thing you've seen on a disc golf course? Okay, so we ask them, what's the craziest thing you've seen? Um, we're going to hand that over to Hannah. Do you want to hear last week's answer just to get your brain going? So okay. last week's answer, the individual John answered that he saw a ricochet ace off of a tree into the basket. That yeah, was that's his what answer. I was say. Okay. Well, you could say it again, but that was the answer. Simon had guessed a back-to-back -back ace, like they observed that. Um, and Nick, <laughs> I guessed that they saw a black bear on the course. They saw a bear I on just, the course. I, as the crazy. Trying to think thing. of something absolutely crazy because <clears throat> it's such an open question. Okay. No. It. Oh yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. I mean anything yeah. really. Okay. So Hannah, you're up here. Let's see if. By the way, there is one more question after this. So. Okay. I'm gonna say. They have seen. They play whites. All that they only play whites. But they also said they only played this course like five times. They... Oh, okay. I'm going to say they've seen someone like cage out for an ace. Okay, so like it hit the basket and fell out. Okay. Yeah. All right, Nick, what do you got? I'm going to keep my animal theory going on, and I'm going to say they saw a couple huge of those uh, huge snakes that you see at Maple Hill every oh, so often. Oh, Carl, I was going to say that. We think very think alike. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say they saw a couple of those huge snakes over by like hole eight or 14 or whatever. They're awesome. Okay. Those aren't bad yeah. answers. Let's see what they say. It can be to you, to somebody else. Just what's your answer there, Brandon? Okay. Brandon answers first. Um, well, I hit a, what was it? I don't know if it was an eagle or a birdie, but it was probably a 120 foot driver shot nailed right in the basket. Okay. That was pretty good for me. Good. Okay, so he says he hit 120 foot throw in is um, the answer to that one. Uh, neither of you guessed that, no. right? Okay. No. <laughs> All right. So they're actually going towards their play, it seems, at least Brandon. Yeah. They're going towards what they've done. An eagle. How about you, Eric? Eric, here he goes. Uh, probably how many times my friend hits the rim. <laughs> <laughs> my. So the answer that just came up on screen was his friend's poor putting. Okay. Hannah's taking a drink. Let's go on to. So. Nobody gets a point there. So it really comes down to this. I'm going to allow the option for a tiebreaker. That mean, I mean like a tie, which means we're going to go to the last question here. <laughs> and if both of you get it right, Hannah wins. If one of you gets it right, uh, if Nick gets it right, yeah, Hannah doesn't. It's a tie. All right, here we go. My co-host Nick versus Paul Macbeth 
and Paul McBeth has to play with his opposite hand, who's going to win? I swear, if they say Paul, I'm going to be livid. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so this is kind of an interesting Hannah, question. Paul, friendship over. This is an interesting question. So just a replay, and I think Nick answers first. We said, Nick, you're going to play against Paul, but Paul still use his opposite hand, which in this case would be lefty. Um, who's going to win a round? We didn't specify the course. It's just generic, so... Well, I'm going to say 99.9% sure they have no idea who I am. They obviously know Paul, but I would never, ever not pick myself. So I'm going to say that they said it was me. I would win. Okay. So Hannah. Well, I'm going to say Paul. Because <laughs> they don't know you. So it's like. Can't not pick myself though. Okay. Here <laughs> <laughs> the people are loving the show. It's starting to get so exciting. Here we go. Let's see what they answer. Will Nick, Nick answered that he would win as in Nick would win. And Hannah answered Paul would win as in that's what they would answer. Let's see what they answer. Nick. <laughs> okay. There's still a chance. There's still a chance though. So he says Nick and he kind of laughs again. Uh, and then Eric. I mean, Paul's pretty good, but opposite hand, I'll go with Nick. All right, there you Yes. <clears throat> okay. So let's finish Nick, this we're out. Send it back over. Thank you guys for playing this, and good to see you out here today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Do they have any idea? Disc Golfer, the game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. Okay, so <laughs> you look so enthused, Anna. So I think Anna. what has happened here is that we have some really diehard Innova fans, and when Paul made the switch. Okay. They so we have a tie. It lost all respect. We have a tie. That... <clears throat> okay, we have a tie, and here's how the tiebreakers happens, because I couldn't live down what happened last week with Terry and Simon tying and have to just, like, give each other, like, pats on the back and say, good job, we'll share the title. I want you guys to break this tie, and here's how we're going to do it. I know what their favorite disc is, because I... I observed them and I heard them talking about it throughout the whole round, what their favorite disc mold was, okay? Here's how it's going to work. Um, Hannah, pick a number between 1 and 10. 7. All right, Nick, pick a number. 3. Okay, Hannah's going first. And the way this is going to work, the number was 6, by the way. The way that this is going to work is Hannah gets to answer first, what is their favorite mold? If she doesn't get it right, we go to Nick. He answers. If he doesn't get it right, we go back and forth until somebody guesses their favorite mold of a disc. And you think this could go on forever. It may go on forever. But we need to break this tie, okay? So let's see. Hannah, you're up first. Uh, did they say a mid-range or a driver? <laughs> Wait a minute. You want me to if, answer? No, nah, hold on. If we get two wrong, like, and we're completely wrong, like both of us get two Another wrong, tip. Yeah, another Matt hint. can give us another tip. But for now, let's go open-ended anything. I'm going to say a buzz. <sighs> Swear to God, that's exactly what I was going to say. So I'm going to go Game with Game uh, yeah. over. Hannah guessed it. I Way to go, Hannah. To God, that's what I was going to say. I'm so ticked right now because I swear to God, go. that's what I was going to say. And it, I believe it had the Paul Macbeth uh, insignia or something on it. So they were really happy to use that. So they may not have said it as their favorite player, but yes, they obviously like the discs he throws. If it wasn't a buzz, I was going to go Star Destroyer because I feel like that's a good second pick. And I swear, I thought you were going to go with that because you saw the end of a bag. And I was like, yo, I got this with the buzz. 
and then you no, you always have to take a couple of ams and you have to you have to always guess the buzz so i'm over two on this and i told simon because he won last week technically that i would buy him lunch so next time i'm down in virginia i'll owe you lunch <laughs> he's gonna be broke before this yeah, podcast this is show, over. yeah exactly so we need i some hope sponsors i really enjoyed having hannah on this week i really enjoyed playing the game the topics we had the insight she provided totally appreciate it very awesome guest uh, I like sitting here next to Nick. We've run to the end of the show here. Do you have any closing thoughts, Hannah, that you'd like to share before we close out? No, thank you to everyone who uh, watched. And thank you to Discraft for sponsoring me. Sorry, all my Discraft shirts were dirty, so I didn't wear a Discraft shirt. Um, thank you to you guys for putting on this awesome podcast. I think the end segment, that game is so fun. Good. That's we, like awesome. such a fun idea. So we got to think Great. up ideas as we close it out. Like, Hey, if you have ideas for a game, would you please like, just give us your ideas. We might consider it. We might do it. what do you got, Nick? Uh, just thank you beyond anything, Hannah, for coming on the show tonight. Um, I'm super pumped. Obviously you're one of my best friends and uh so having you on the show tonight it felt really natural really fun i definitely think this is going to be something that happens in the future again you know would you like to have hannah back on the show everybody let us know comment send us messages if you think she's a great guest we'll have her back on more regular maybe we'll give her her own segment she can come up with her own thoughts and share it on the show maybe that's something we don't want to get too intrusive here into yeah. her life but if that's something she'd like we'd invite her on um all right we're going to hand it off to our outro video. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Matt show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social platform and subscribe on iTunes.